Gentlemen, there's only one way to be sure whatever's haunting my refrigerator is gone. I need you to get in there and bust it, and I don't care if it says Zool at you. Well, guys, I guess that's that. Let's make sure we don't cross the streams and head up to kick some demon dog ass. Oh, crap. I see something moving in the hall. Can't let it get away. I'm gonna hit it. What the hell are you doing? Uh, so sorry, ma'am. We, we had trouble with cockroaches. Well, I sure don't think blowing up the building is gonna get rid of them. Wait, wait, I'm sure that's real ghost style. It's telling me that it's a god. But what should I do? The next time something tells you it's a god, kill it and see the chick is toast. You guys killed God? Funny. I thought that would be a lot harder. Well, it always happens when God chooses to take the form of a teddy bear-sized snowman. I don't know why, it just popped in there. Why the hell did you do that? Now the dead are rising from the grave and I feel like committing human sacrifice. I couldn't help it. I mean, some dickless EPA guy made my trigger finger itchy. We're still in business, or the atomic weight of cobalt isn't 58.1. <sighs> Nobody steps on a church in my town, not even one that says it's God. We're gonna think. Guys, I'm starting to think killing God wasn't a very good idea. On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 74, Night of the Demon. We'll be talking about a couple more games from the Shin Megami Tensei series, a couple of imports that are also in the line of games, and for our blast from the recent past today, we have Puzzle Quest 2 and Trinity Universe. My good friend and partner, Mr. Mike Mickey, could not be here tonight, but I have two people who are ready to step up to the plate and knock these games out of the ballpark. First off, we have Miss Cassandra Ramos. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Miss Cassandra? I'm doing fine, thank you. Having fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kicking butt, taking names. Something like that. Kicking demon kicking butt. Them. Kicking demon butt. It's all about kicking demon butt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hitting them fuck on your side. And Mr. Michael, bake me some cookies. No. Aw, no fun. Want cookies? <laughs> Want cookies? Cookie monster, hungry. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, you may. Market, you go to it. We may not be too hungry after talking about vile, disgusting, evil, filthy demons for uh, for a while, huh? I know this is. This is Megaton we're talking about. I would not put it past him to have a possessed plate of cookies as an enemy at one point. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yep. You strike a critical... For one, already for one of the young game games. <laughs> you strike a critical blow against the plate of cookies. Their chips are knocked off. <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. Now they're just plain cookies. <laughs> nice. 
So watch out for not the cookies because those are Arab nut cookies. Now the Arab nuts are going to fly around and kill you with health food with powers. Yeah, and every time you every time you hit the the uh, the cookies, crumbs fall all over the place. Mm-hmm. Cookies. Yep. Hey, environmental hazard. Don't Indeed. step on them. Indeed. Well, while now that I'm all hungry, I'm going to go upstairs and find myself a plate of cookies. While I'm doing that, I'll put on some nice Shimigami Tensei music for our listening audience. We'll be right back. First game we have on the docket this evening is Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, a game for the PlayStation 2. This is the third game in the Megami Tensei series. You're talking about the first two later on, right, Mr. Baker? Yes. Yeah, so we'll get to those in just a few. But this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the first uh, Shin Megami Tensei game that came stateside, correct? With the title Shin Megami Tensei, we had earlier Megami Tensei games before this one. Hmm. Yeah, like, uh, what was it, Revelations, um, Demon Slayer, or whatever yeah, it was? It was originally Some of the uh, Game Boy game. on the uh, Game Boy Color. We also got um, that Virtual Boy Demi game. Kids. Yeah, they've got Demi Kids as well. Mm. Got that Jack Brothers on the Virtual Boy, and of course, uh, the Persona, the earlier Personas. Revelations Persona and Persona 2, whichever one it was we got. Was it Innocence Sin? Eternal Punisher? I can't remember, remember which one it was. Shimigami Tensei Nocturne was developed by Atlas, uh, published in North America by Atlas. And uh, this, as I mentioned, it is a PlayStation 2 RPG released here in North America on October the 12th, 2004. This is a single-player demonic experience rated M for, for miserly demons. Yes, that's it, yes. Miserly. They don't want to give you any money. Ha-ha. So... I played I played about 30 hours or so of Shimigami Tensei Nocturne, give or take. And um, um, I That's can... more than either of us over here. <laughs> Probably, here. But, yeah. Start talking. <laughs> Start, well, um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool game. You're going to take uh, control of a, a typical silent protagonist who's a little atypical because uh, he's got some uh, demon blood in him. And um, is often referred to as a, a demon fiend or whatever have you. Uh, the battle or the battle. I mean, the story kind of kicks off uh, really big because, and, and my memory's a bit rusty here, but uh, the world 
the world, uh, in most games, you're trying to stop the destruction of the world, and in most Shin Megami Tensei games, uh, as, as uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, before we start recording, uh, it's not unusual for the world to be blown up, though it usually takes some time, but not in Nocturne. No. The world goes to hell in a handbasket, like in the first 20 minutes. I don't even think it takes that long. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you start playing in the... I started playing in this world that's already, uh, you know, kind of gone to hell in a headbasket, and um, uh, go, uh, there's uh, demons uh, roaming all over the, the world, uh, it's uh, it's been kind of, a, it's being kind of reshaped, or uh, laws, you know, laws are being rewritten, the natural laws and whatever have you, that's kind of taken over, uh, taken over the world. Um so that's about it's all. Basically, a hard reboot for reality. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's kind of a, all I kind of remember about the story. To be honest, uh, when it comes to sh- uh, when it comes to most of these Shimigami Tensei games, I'm I'm well, I, I more care about the battle systems and everything else. And um, well, that's kind I, of I seem to remember hearing something about um, like different philosophies that you could choose from that would shape the the ending or decide what kind of world would happen next. Yeah, as I recall, you had to pick different, um, what were they called? Uh, reasons, I think, or something like that. That's, you pick what the new world would be. Or you could even decide if you don't want the world to be reborn at all. Hmm, creepy. You guys, I'm choosing Oblivion. Yeah, it's all, it's all about Oblivion. Hmm. So, um, um, now, um, let me think here. So we did. You do. Uh, as one of the cool things about the game is, I also probably should mention this. It's set in a modern day setting, so uh, that's already very refreshing. Um, granted, it's a modern day setting that's gone to hell in a handbasket, but it is uh, modern. You will be going through. I went through like hospitals and warehouses and destroyed buildings uh, and the such, and, and going through my quest. And it was kind of neat going through a dungeon that's really a hospital <laughs> or a dungeon that's themed after a hospital. Uh, so it kind of gave you a, a different, uh, different uh, perspective. It, the the graphics uh, when you're in those dungeon stuff, it's 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 not the best the PlayStation Two has to offer, uh, especially for the the time of the that the life cycle of the game kind of came out. Uh, but it's not terribly bad either. It didn't detract uh, from the experience. Some of it, sometimes it, it's kind of neat. I, I, I particularly like the uh, the designs, though, of like the the demons and the such. And there are lots and lots of demons. And for the few people who haven't played a Shimigami Tensei game uh, before, uh, one of the highlights of these games is that usually, in some way, shape, or form, uh, you're going to recruit or work with demons or have demons on your party or summon demons or something along those lines. And uh, I believe in this game, the uh, I would meet demons and could persuade them to come onto my team and I, uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to note that even though we're saying demons it's just a catch-all term for a mythological or supernatural being there are like yeah, includes... demons, but also includes things like fairies um as well as kinds of mythical beings gods i mean all sort all, all different types of mythology get mixed in in here so that's what makes in, it really including quite including quite a few types of angels yeah, angels yeah. are demons. And snowmen. Yeah. <laughs> Little oh, snowman. Yeah. Jack Frost. Jack, Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Frost. I got his Jack Frost. I have a Jack Frost uh, doll from some pre-order I did right here on my table. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, it, this is, yeah. some of them kind of look uh, typical. What's that? Part of it's just an issue with all the multiple 
magical words that Japanese has for supernatural or uh, non-human entities, and how at least four of these words all translate as demon, but they all have different actual meanings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shades of meaning. Right. And, it, and for this series, they even made up a, for this series, they even made up a new one. They all call him Nakama, which is actually a, like a homonym for ally or friend in, in Japanese. Yeah, and 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 as you're going, as you run into battles uh, with these the various demons or mahina or whatever, uh, you will have the opportunity uh, to recruit them onto your team, and um, and eventually you can only walk around with so many demons at a time. Per, I think it's like ten or something. So eventually your roster gets kind of full. Uh, but what's really cool is that at certain spots you can stop and fuse demons together and make more powerful demons and this is generally a more uh, efficient way to raise the the levels of your demons because you'll uh, I do I don't believe that the demons were kind of keeping up with me in experience levels as my main characters gaining levels it seemed like they were picking them up slower so they'll tend to fall behind plus plus since you're kind of constantly mixing in uh, demons who have various different powers it's it's hard to keep a consistent roster one of the other advantages to mixing and matching demons too is you'll unlock uh demons who are not only stronger but have a greater variety of attacks so um uh you know creating a well-balanced party comes from uh comes from playing mix and match and the such so typically i'll run around uh, a dungeon try to get them to come to my side when a battle starts i can start with uh you know chit-chatting with them and um I don't know if I had to bribe them or something, but usually there's some kind of text option to, to try to talk with them and try to talk them into joining. So, um, and let's see here. Um, as you level up, you get to put, uh, on top of that, you get to put your abilities, you know, you get to buff up your abilities as, as you gain some levels. Um, but the demons kind of pick their own ability scores <laughs> that they're focusing on when they're, when they're gaining levels. Though sometimes they love you and they give you little presents. That's always nice. I like my little presents. Uh, battles typical, traditional, turn-based uh, dealy, um, but um, uh, uh, sometimes uh, when when you're uh, in fighting, if you uh, there's elemental weaknesses and strengths play a, a huge huge part of the game, and this can't be overstated. In most typical RPGs, you fight something that's weak to fire or ice or something, you might do you know some extra damage. Um, it's largely, in my opinion, a lot of games, it's largely ignorable unless you're trying to be some optional boss or something. But in Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, it's the key to survival, <laughs> especially against uh, bosses. Um, so um, uh, normal, uh, let's see, uh, when, you're, when you're in combat, you have, um, uh, you have a certain amount of turns that's uh, representing the upper right-hand corner by an icon. Uh, many of your actions usually attacking or using items or uh, summoning another demon from your stock or whatever takes up a, a full turn. But if you score critical hit or you explode your opponent's you know elemental weakness, um, then uh, or you pass on your action or pass up your turn, uh, it's only considered half use. So the icon pulsates, and. Um, uh, you know, with that half turn, you can basically make uh, another turn. 
even though you, you, the half turn, you can't, uh, if you do another critical attack or something, that half turn goes away and now your turn is over. So essentially, if you hit somebody in their weak spot, you hit somebody's weak to lightning with lightning, you're going to get an extra turn. You can probably do it twice. So you're getting the extra damage on top of the fact that you can do it twice. <laughs> twice times extra damage equals, oh my gosh. <laughs> and it works against Sounds you. a lot like stuff in Persona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's uh, whoa. Um, it's incredible. Um, on the other hand, if, uh, if your attack fails because you hit them with something they were strong against or they had draining on it or they block your attack, uh, you can lose turn icons, <laughs> which can really put you in the straights. So, yeah, this, this, this really makes it absolutely critical that you're paying attention when you're fighting to who is strong uh, against what. Absolutely huge. Yeah, Devil Survivor is very big on that, too. The whole it, weaknesses and resistances are extremely important, and you can lose turns or remove turns from opponents in those games. So I, I guess that's where it got to start in Nocturne. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, anywho, uh, I think um, there was... Um, there was also something else, um, something about, um, hmm, no, well, there was something else about that you could do as far as, uh, uh, there was, um, things called, uh, Megatama that you can equip, um, mm-hmm. they're living parasite, uh, kind of symbiotic deals that give you, uh, different demonic powers and access to a variety of skills, and that's kind of how you customize your main hero, who's always participating in the combat next to the demons. Um, and so, leveling that up in a certain... What do these things... I'm curious to you, what do these things look like? <laughs> uh, do you look like... Actually, from what I from what I can recall and what I'm seeing here on the screenshots I quickly pulled up, uh, just looks like little icons, you know, and you pick which ones kind you want to equip. Is it kind of a teardrop shape? Mm, they look like hexagons. Uh, okay, let's see here. I was just curious because um, Magatama is the na- Japanese name for a kind of a holy stone. It's sort of a either somewhere between a teardrop and a fang shape with a hole drilled through the middle. And mm. you, you see them all over the place in anime, manga, and video games. Yeah, it kind of looks like a kind of looks like a, a he- hexagon mixed with a circle. Like, a, like a, mm. you know, kind of got the uh, X. And then on the inside is, on the inside is like, it would be like a parasite, I guess, like an embryo or something. But it's like a, a curly, curled up thing of parasite flesh. Ooh. Anyways, mm. depending on which one of these you ingest, which, you know, in English to me means you're just equipping it. Uh, it will help uh, give you, like, one of them will give you ice spells, but it'll make you weak towards fire. One, you know, different ones that you have equipped will open up new conversations uh, with demons that you meet, helping you to uh, bring over demons to your side that you may not be able to bring over otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, um, mm, and let's see, you can equip up to uh, eight of them at a time. So, you know, twenty, there's 25 altogether. You can equip up to eight. You can get a whole bunch of, of different, different kinds. Um, and they can even alter your title. So whatever, um, 
So, <laughs> anyways, pretty interesting. Unfortunately, my memory isn't so great because I played this like five or six years ago. So, and I didn't get too too deep into the into the system. Though, you know, it could definitely make or break a battle with the boss if you had the wrong one equipped, and you were like weak towards ice, and he the boss had a bunch of ice attacks. You might as well just reset that, and reload. <laughs> that kind of goes without saying for a for a Mega Ten game. Yeah, you tend to have moments, a lot of moments like that. And and I, I do find it interesting. Um, most of the Mega Ten games, they don't give the main character that much adaptability in terms of spells or pretty much anything. Usually, the main character is the single, almost normal person in the game, except for the fact that he can summon other demons. Hmm. So, I mean, they, they usually don't even give this guy uh, magic attacks of any sort. So, it's kind of interesting to see something that different for the series. Um, and one thing, you know, if you're going to play this game, the, one of the I pretty I really really enjoyed it overall, but one possible point of irritation <laughs> is that mm. fact that when you hit a boss, if you haven't fought that boss before, uh, and you and he he's just you really strong on an element that you're not strong against, or his weakness is something you don't have equipped, the the battle can be very very difficult, if not nigh impossible. So um, so there's a little bit of trial and error going on there. It's not unusual to hit a boss, get wiped, and go, oh, he's lightning. Now let me go find some demons that are strong against lightning or, uh, or the such and try to build up a party that can, that can you know, better con- counter, uh, counter them. So that, that, that's where I tend to cheat just a tiny little bit and look at an FAQ and just look up to see what the next boss is. Because I can handle the, the. This is usually perfectly justifiable for this series. Yeah, for the, for the, yeah. For the whole. Oh, yeah. yeah, perfectly justifiable for almost every game in the series. Yeah, because when you know what the next boss's elemental strengths and weaknesses are, it's it's just. Uh, yeah, you can kind of plan it. And, and the thing is, you are kind of limited to ten demons, and that sounds like a lot, but. Trust me, it's easy to hit that limit and you start mixing and matching. And it's not unusual that you find yourself without a couple of elemental bases covered. And then you get to that boss and that's the elemental base that you need. Now you got to go back and, and uh, I don't want to use the word farm, but you got to go back, find some new demons, start mixing them up again, and hope you get that combination that gets you those skills. And you probably want them on more than just one. You know, you want to have uh, those strengths and, 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 and the such, you know, on a couple of them to have the best chance against, uh, against those bosses. Cause they are tough. They, they, they will hit you hard and they will make you question the meaning of life as they spank you on the ass. So, um, yeah. So one boss I've heard about a lot from this game is called Matador. I don't think you said you hadn't actually gotten to that one before. No, I don't think I fought the Matador. Mm-hmm. I have a short-term memory, but now I do remember those battles bit, being pretty hard, though. Those yeah. boss battles. Because if you Google Nocturne and Matador, you come up with a long list of oh no, <laughs> uh, a message board requests saying, "Please help me with this guy. How do I beat him?" So. Hmm. Um, one of the color cool things about the game is that it felt very non-linear to me. Uh, you know, there's a couple things I had to do at the beginning, but um, I you got kind of got this open world that you can go you can go around and, and figure out your way. Sometimes it was a little frustrating because I I didn't know where to go next, but if I just walked around enough and uh, I would eventually figure it out. And sometimes that's where the FAQ also came back in handy. <laughs> but on the other hand, it was cool having all these different places I could go to. 
and uh, just wander around and, and find some different uh, demons. Uh, like most Shin Megami Tensei games, uh, you're going to get some philosoph- some pretty deep phil- uh, philosophy here. Uh, it's nothing that's that's to be taken seriously, but it'll make your noodle turn a little bit sometimes. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, should everybody be unified, or should every everyone have absolute control over their own world? You know, how free are you? Uh, you know, there's going to be these questions that are being asked, and the way that you answer them uh, will help determine the uh, course of the plot, as well as as Mike kind of alluded to earlier, the way the world's going to go, having to do with those. Uh, what did you call them? Uh, different. The reason. Yeah, the reasons. The reasons. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, um, uh, but the, the battles are pretty fast, uh, things move at a decent clip, and, um, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, uh, pretty fun. And we do have, uh, uh we, I'm looking at this RP, uh, gamer review from Michael Beckett. He actually, he gave it, he loved it a lot. He gave it a five out of five. Uh, so, wow. Um, he says, it occurs to me that Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne could have been quite the controversy generator had people paid much attention to it upon its release. While no side in the game is depicted as being truly good, God is depicted as being ruthless, petty, uh, despot, uh, dedicated to the subjugation of the universe in general and the human race in particular. Satan is portrayed as a noble rebel, albeit one who doesn't particularly notice damage caused to those around him. In the end, though, what makes this a great game is the degree to which it can pull a player into its world and generate some genuine emotion. It's a great title for gamers looking for a real uh, cathartic challenge or anyone interested in mythology so he liked it apparently for the for the story and apparently the well the the controversial story i must have missed out on the controversy i don't think i got to the god part yet (laughs) or the satan part i missed out on those big enemies too okay wait no no not Satan. in in the megami tensei games the uh satan and lucifer are two different beings Mm. satan works for under god yahweh yhbh whatever they want to call him uh, as is, as God's judge and Lucifer is the rebel angel that became the king of the demons. Hmm. Yep. Just so, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Deep. fun interpretations of theology in the series. But pretty much any game in the series would probably end up being controversial for plot reasons. It's just the way it goes. Hmm. Well, fair enough. I mean, oh, I was going to say, we were going to discuss the earlier games in the series at a later time, but um, did you ever hear what happens within the first three to four hours of the original Shin Megami Tensei? Um, in the first section of that game, uh, oh, might as well talk about this later. Talk about it now or talk about it later? Oh, hold on to that thought. We'll talk about it okay. in a bit. Put a little asterisk there and tell everyone just to fast forward to 30 minutes. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, definitely, I think this one's a real gem, and uh, let's uh, let's just take a look at Half.com. I mean, I enjoyed it more for the battle system and, and getting those demons and putting them together, the, the feeling of the open world and the setting. Uh, apparently, um, other people like it for uh, the story, which uh, it's definitely there. I just, it's, it's kind of a flaw of mine that uh, this one, uh, you know, that I just tend to ignore most stories unless they're super, super, super awesome. You know, once you've done Final Fantasy VI, you know, it's just downhill from there i don't know uh let's see <laughs> uh let's see shimigami tensei nocturne is being sold for about 25 to to to, to 30 bucks used on uh, ebay well actually it's about this there's a bunch of brand new copies for about that price too huh 
wow, the used games and the new games are about the same price. Might as well get a new copy. At half.com, I see uh, new copies for 24 yeah. plus uh, shipping. So uh, The Maniacs edition used to go for quite a lot in Japan. Really? Like over $100. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the Maniacs edition was like the international edition. Hmm. Um, so after it was released in Japan, they retooled it a bit. They fixed a few things, added some materials, and released it in America. Wow. And then the American release got re-released in Japan as Maniacs. And it was, Again, back in 2008 or so, this was going for well over $100 in the used stores over here. So um, my copy is actually um, like the Maniacs Plus edition. I never got, never actually got around to playing it, but it came packaged with the second um, Devil Summoner game for mm-hmm. PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. which together they cost about $80 together. Wow. Which at the time was significantly less than what the Maniacs edition was going for by itself. So I, oh. I figured I might as well um, take, take advantage of the price. Well, I really should play that game soon. You know, um, I didn't. I didn't get this when it came out. I got it. I want to say in '07. Uh, so that would be about three years after its release. And I. I'm pretty sure I got it even cheaper than this. I'm pretty sure I got it on the cheap. Now, there are there are games that, you know, I will tell people if you're a retro gamer uh, and you want a piece of history and you want to see where some of these concepts came from, this is a good game to pick up. But for most people, you can ignore because it's not a it's not a really that much of a fun game or a great game. But, you know, with Nocturne, it's a pretty solid recommendation, uh, even, uh, you know, just for, you know, retro gamers who may not put so much weight on the fact that this is the first Shin Megami Tensei game in America with that name on it or, uh, you know, brings a number of game elements maybe never seen before, you know, to the table. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, you know, but, uh, but, it, but, it, you know, also because it's, it's absolutely a fun, fun game to play. It's, it's very solid in its execution. It's a lot more fun to play this than to let's, in my opinion anyways, than to say go back to Persona 1. And uh, and granted, it's a PlayStation Two versus PlayStation One title, but uh, I found this one <laughs> easier to to go back to, more fun to play, drew me more into the world, uh, the setting, and the battle systems, and the optim uh, the, the way you could optimize that character and stuff. It just it just felt like it moved a bit better. So, but uh, we're gonna take a, a tiny little break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about Shin Megami Tensei: Strange Journey. From a strange journey. No, we didn't go on a journey. We just listened to some music. 
But now we're going to talk about Strange Journey. Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey, developed by Atlas, published by the same, released on the Nintendo DS here in North America on March 23rd, 2010. This is a single-player RPG dungeon-crawling experience, rated M for... for... Uh, or Mara, and what's that other one? <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's probably why I got that M rating. Shoot. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So this is this is one that all three of us have played, and and I've been playing this one very recently, so uh, fairly recently, so my memory's a lot better about this one. Did y'all play? How far did y'all get? I finished it um, once. I think I finally just put it down while pursuing the light ending, and it's like, I don't think I can beat the last two bosses. Yeah, so I, I put it down in favor of it. Oh goodness! Well, uh, like I said, this is uh, this. It, it put like six hours into it, so. Ooh, well, that's further than me. Um, so, Strange Journey is a first-person uh, dungeon crawler. It's it's got a uh, definitive focus on good old-fashioned, um, old-school uh, dungeon crawling. Uh, we were talking like grid base, nine degree angles, the whole nine yards with teleporters and rooms that you can't see and you just got to keep pressing forward and hitting the walls because somewhere somebody thinks that's awesome fun. And, um, and t- did I mention the teleporters? And yeah, all kinds of, of, of crazy old school dungeon crawling uh, goodness. You'll, at least from a, uh, you know, with the dungeons, you, from a fl- that flavor perspective, you'll, you'll feel like you're back in the 80s. Though, uh, you know, each of them are themed uh, differently, including shopping malls of all things. Um, you'll run into demons, uh, and just like uh, most Shin Megami Tensei games, uh, you'll be able to negotiate and get them to join your party and aid your, made he- your hero in combat. Uh, very, very similar uh, to Nocturne, and you'll be able to combine them and make more awesome kick-ass demons in the whole nine yards. Uh, one of the things that really jumped out for me in play in this game is that, and we'll start off really focusing on the storyline, uh, for most dungeon crawlers, really don't have a, a whole lot of storyline. And I certainly get the feeling that uh, that there are so much meat to the dungeon crawling aspect of Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey that they could have totally just yeah, just totally done you know some half-assed uh, you know story and plot and stuff like that and gotten by just fine. But but uh, it's actually pretty deep as you know as far as I've gotten anyways. Uh, lots of dialogue, mm-hmm. lots of things happening in the dungeon, lots of communication back and forth with the NPCs uh, who are at your base. They, they, mm-hmm. they do they do end up stretching it out a bit at the end where they could have put some more stuff in to help. Especially how which world did you get to? Three or four. A B C D or E. Uh, I don't remember the letters. It was like C, probably. See, well, he had... Because um, I couldn't have gotten further than halfway. Once you get, once you get to Sector Eridanus, the game really slows down a little bit. Yeah, it just... Because those dungeons are so dang long that obviously the story itself gets pretty stretched out. And that... Yeah. Eridanus probably the longest dungeon in the game. Um, it, it's a huge garden area with a tower in the middle, mm-hmm. and the, the garden area is split into four quarters, each of which is almost as big as some of the previous sections of the game. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's huge. The the um and and that is something that Glenn points out in his review, which I read very carefully before picking up this title for myself. Uh, he does say that you know, thing is, you, you get this, you get this, this plot that we'll we'll talk about in just a minute, but and it's given to you pretty continuously up till about that last dungeon or the next last dungeon or something like that, and then just as you guys have indicated, uh, those dungeons get so big and uh, that uh, the plot, you know, you, you're not getting fed this plot every you know ten, fifteen, twenty minutes like you were when you were in the other dungeons. And uh, and if it, it gets stretched out really fast, and so though if you're playing this game for the first twenty, thirty, forty hours, and you're thinking, "Wow, this 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 plot is really driving me forward," and it's not necessarily the gameplay, but it's just this plot that's so awesome, you you might hit this brick wall uh, where you get this long, drawn out stretch uh, where you don't get that plot coming to you at that pace anymore because the dungeon, <laughs> you know, the last dungeon really becomes the focus, and just trying to get through that is such a long experience and a time-consuming experience, and there's not a lot of plot going on while you're in there however for those players who do stick it out and maybe cassandra since you beat it you can testify to this but from what i understand from glenn's review if you manage to stick it out you got a really cool you know one of the one of the better video game rpg endings that are out there it's actually pretty neat i got the uh neutral ending myself because i'm a neutral kind of gal and it's uh, really cool how you see at the end um it's kind of hard to explain the little details we go to the story but it's really neat to see how um, how much confidence the people have in this ending? I haven't played the other two, so I can't really speak for them. The uh, the, the law ending and the um, chaos ending. So, chaos but again, ending. it's very cool. So at the beginning, so the story, the plot here is you're. Oh, go ahead. Did you have something, Mike? Well, I was going to say we're sorry. I'm beginning right. We were talking about before how almost every Shin Megami Tensei game has to have the end of the world involved somehow. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, of course, the strange journey starts out with a, a um, with, oh, I'm trying to remember what the exact term is. For, the Schwarzwelt. The the <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, it's called the Schwarzwelt, but I was thinking of the actual term for the it's, event horizon of a black hole showing up on the Antarctic continent. Yeah, it's essentially yeah, a okay. sudden massive atomic collapse. Is is uh, which which is growing and is posing an imminent threat for all humankind and Earth. It's at the South Pole. It starts out there, kind of small, but it's growing at a, a steady rate and consuming, you know, everything in its uh, path. Uh, on top of that, uh, as it gets bigger, uh, there's all kinds of war and crime and all kinds of suffering that's happening all over, you know, the world. So United Nations, being the good guys that they are. Uh, send a group of researchers from all over the world to go and figure out what the heck's happening. So they send four teams in uh, to investigate this stuff, uh, and uh, and uh, on these big, huge ass, you know, ships uh, that can they look like uh, really huge ATV uh, dealies, except they, they they can fly. They looked kind of yeah, they look kind of like a cross between a an armored personnel carry, um, carrier, a space shuttle, and one of the landing craft from Normandy. <laughs> yeah and uh so as you're as you're being travel over there it's explained to you know you're one of the um uh 
you're one of the people uh, what's the word for it? soldiers yeah soldiers <laughs> there's a lot of researchers but they understood that hey, you know it might be dangerous in there so we're also going to send a squadron of soldiers and you're one of those people that that are uh, you know one of them soldiers and you're you're equipped with a special uh, suit called a demonica all of the soldiers are for the most part which uh, allows them special abilities um, to help them survive and regulate whatever harsh conditions may be going on on inside the huge black hole event you horizon do not want to be directly exposed to the atmosphere in that in that game world oh yeah you do not does something bad happen? oh yeah did i miss that what happens if you're um, exposed but there, i think was it the second or third world where the demon overlord there um captures a few of the soldiers and decides to see what happens so he takes the helmet off of one of the soldiers and the soldier immediately turns into a low level demon oh nice yeah a mindless like a zombie like yeah, like a zombie. Yeah. Ah. So, uh, yeah, so keep your helmet on, boys and girls. Don't, where it says, you know, when you're looking at your list of armor, it says helmet, don't press the unequip button. It's not pretty. Okay, there's no unequip button. We're just messing. <laughs> um, <laughs> While your while while your team while your team is traveling over there, the four different ships are traveling over there. Uh, the other three, they all come under some sort of attack, and uh, the you lose contact with the other uh, other ships. Your ship manages to crash land, and long story short, um, your team is going to have to travel to through different sectors. Um, of this thing uh, ranging, uh, and that's what ends up being the dungeons. But uh, the themes range from battlefields to shopping malls to you know red light districts, and uh, each one of them has a deadly power. Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna say the deadly sins. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And Wrath, uh, lust, greed, gluttony, sloth. Yeah. Right, right. And each one of them has uh, uh, you know a really big demon lord who kind of represents. You know, those things that you're going to have to uh, you know, kill so you can go on to the next area. And they give you this real scientific reason, you know, the, for, for why this is uh, why this is happening. It's kind of like Star Trek reasoning and the such. Um, so you will – For the shopping mall level, the reason is that one, they've located one of the other shuttles and it happens to be inside the Demon Lord because he got hungry and decided to see what – it tasted like yeah i remember him most re- yeah he yeah. seen all this Orcus. Orcus. yes yeah, yeah. It, little it, it was his, i think it was his first appearance since shin megami tensei if uh, uh he well he did appear as a recruitable demon in um the first devil survivor not as a character or even a minor one but you can recruit him oh was that overclocked okay not sorry might have been overclocked. i was gonna say i was gonna say um strange journey predates devil survivor though Hmm. So, um, you'll, yes, so first since if. Okay. you'll, <laughs> you'll, um, you'll, uh, uh, you'll, you're going to make decisions. And, uh, while I'm all about spoilers, this game's kind of new. So, uh, I won't go into specific ending stuff. I'll let you kind of figure that out. Cause that really is the big payoff for this game. But the decisions you make, as Cassandra said earlier, you're going to go towards a neutral chaos or, uh, lawful uh, ending, and uh, and you will make decisions and do things that uh, affect which of those uh, types of endings you get. Yeah, near the end, you can actually kind of skew it a bit. Say that you might have, because like Earth, as you pointed out before, you can you make certain decisions, and your character will be leaned towards neutral law or chaos, and uh, this actually affects battles, which I guess we'll get into later. But near the end, uh, the character will ask you various questions, and if you answer them. 
leaning more towards law, more towards neutral, more towards chaos, then you can affect, you can change the ending that way. I don't know if you can like completely, yeah, change, like say if you were going law all the time, you could completely change the chaos. I don't know if you can do that. Actually, but, I, I do think the point, that point in the game is almost that pivotal. Ah, I see. Because like, yeah. I, yeah. I leaned slightly yeah. towards law throughout the entire game, even though I wanted to be neutral, and I managed to get that, and I, I got, answered those questions in a neutral way, and I got the neutral ending. So, uh, uh, so yeah, and uh, I think you're you're right on that, uh, Mike. Uh, uh, I won't go into too much detail, uh, any more detail than that, because while we all love being spoiler and stuff, uh, this is a little bit of a newer game, and and if you really want to know, you can easily pull it up in a game fact for yourself. Uh, but yes, it is, uh, Mike. You are right as far as that. Uh, some decision or decisions you make towards the end. It's kind of like the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> it's that whole thing. Yeah. I know you've been but leaning this way the whole way. As, <laughs> but you can change it not, entirely if you want not to. Not as crazy as some of the earlier games in the series, though. So, mm. Mm. Um, so uh, overall, uh, overall, I mean, I'm enjoying the story so far, and everyone that I've spoken with, every review I've read, said that you know it's it's pretty darn good. You know, with the exception of the pacing. Uh, for that dungeon that you mentioned, where it just totally gets mm-hmm. thrown on its head, uh, I, it's, like I said, for a dungeon crawler, it, it just feels like for those first uh, three dungeons or whatnot that you're like, wow, a dungeon crawler with a good, you know, story that's consistently being fed to you as you're going through the dungeon, you're constantly getting communications and and running into things. Uh, just to switch from that back to that old school mode of. Yeah, clear out that huge ass eighty-hour dungeon first, then come back for a story. You know that 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 can be a bit jarring, but it's outside of that, I think that there's a really good story to be had there. Wouldn't y'all agree? Yes, very much yeah. so. Mm. Okay, so and and so along those lines, uh, we uh, why don't we talk about the uh, the characters? Okay, uh, well, uh, just interesting about your main character. He is Japanese in the Japanese version, and he's American in the American version. How about that? Go home country! Yeah, he is. That's what okay. it's, it's on the wiki. Because, yeah, he's mentioned to be from America if you're playing American version, and at least according to the wiki, in the Japanese version, he's said to be from Japan. And, uh, yeah, the whole of point... Of course, of with the character arc the way it is in the series, it's really hard to tell one way or the other just by looking at him. Well, yeah, that might be on purpose, since this game is apparently slightly lean more towards an international audience. That's, I believe, why um, supposedly it was developed as Shin Megami Tensei 4, but they decided, the team decided not to call it that because it's not based in Tokyo. It's aiming more towards an international audience. And each of the characters, like the characters are from various different countries. Um, we just pick one. You've got Zelenin is a uh, Russian scientist woman. She's, uh, she's sort of the law hero in this game because she's from one of the other ships. I can't, I can't remember which one. But, um, the second one, because they found it crashed in the same world as the, the same sector as theirs, yes. I think. And yeah, so that's... the first major part of the plot was to rescue her, or yes. to actually to find the ship and rescue anybody who was still alive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she was captured by the, de- by the demons, and she's just so like, terrified by them that she absolutely hates them and wants the Schwarzfeld gone. She even refuses to um, use the Demonica's... Uh, de- no demon recruitment ability until uh, one of the angel characters, Mastema, allow gives her an angel to recruit with her because he's like, it's not a demon, it's an angel. Relax. And uh, later on, she works Which for the side of law. <laughs> yeah. There's and then the other guy, the other main character is Jimenez, right? Yes, Jimenez. 
Mm-hmm. Also an American, according to the story. Uh, and he's the chaos hero, if you will, because he's kind of a, he's kind of a, how do I put this? He doesn't he get along with people very well. Kind of pessimistic. Yeah. And, he does and he's also friend best friends with a really weird little demon. Yeah, called Bugaboo. It's sort of the mascot of the game. He gets a bit nicer when he meets that, but yeah, he's still mostly a jerk. Jerk. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have... And, uh, and then there are the mercenaries. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you never got to this part of the game, did you? Mm, so, dip- um, there's, there's a fifth shuttle funded by private interest who that punches into Schwarzfeld later on hmm. and and they, they don't care what's going to happen they don't care about the image, they don't care about the politics of the thing they're just trying to find out how much profit they can make out of whatever's inside <laughs> so, they and they don't mind solving people to do it they, okay well I'm all about profit but when the world's about to be destroyed I'm not so sure those riches are going to do a lot of good what will profit a man if he gains the whole world but gets destroyed by demons so um and then we have the computer right do we mention the computer yeah that's um arthur Uh, uh, the ai that is the command unit for the ship and he just basically he gives you your missions and uh such it's apparent According to this, he seems to be named after Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, so that's a bit of random trivia. Among so many other things. Oof, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, he's a lot nicer than that, uh, than that AI in there, for sure. I'm sorry, Dave, but I can't let you do that. <laughs> Ooh, that was creepy. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, at least it could have been worse. It could have been GLaDOS. Oh, that's funny. Oh, no, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm just imagining GLaDOS let loose in the Mega Ten universe. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also Commander Gore, which uh, he's that. He was originally a military officer, and uh, he he oversees it, but he gets killed off pretty darn early, which is kind of low. Which kind of blows a hard blow to the morale of the uh, team. But uh, oddly enough, his, his body somehow disappears, and he reappears much later in a very odd way. Yeah. Sweet. Well, um, let's see here. So, let's move on to the gameplay. Um, so as I mentioned before, first-person dungeon crawler, and you're wearing a fancy suit, and that makes it already feel a, a different than, let's say, in, uh, you know, uh, gosh, now I'm drawing a mind blank. Well, any of those other dungeon crawlers that are out there on the DS. Um, Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> you, Odyssey. Yeah, you don't need to draw your own map. Your computer helmet is doing it for you. And Thank de- goodness. Thank goodness. And depending on what plugins you have for your fancy helmet, uh, it's going to help find uh, hidden objects for you and hidden beasties. And um, Yeah, it's pretty cool. We, we like but, the automatic helmet. But, but for some... For a bit of difference in this game, you don't know what the demons are the first time you meet them. No, you just know so they're coming because you're playing a shimmy. First time you again. meet a demon, a, a new type of demon, it appears as this weird pixelated. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have and you have no idea what it is. You can't communicate with it. You can't. You don't even know what weaknesses it has. You just have to find some way of killing it. 
Yeah, just attack it and hope it doesn't get reflected back at you or something. And especially fun in the later levels of the game where you do randomly find enemies that, for example, reflect physical attacks <laughs> really strongly. And you have no idea to them until you try to whack one with a sword and you half kill yourself. Yeah, the general rule of thumb against, uh, especially in later dungeons, against those guys when you um, is to treat them like bosses. Buff up, do different types of elemental attacks, and find out what works fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, don't be afraid to switch out your demons or run away. <laughs> um, but Which I thought it was interesting because um, some some of the previous games in the, in the series have, have worked with the idea that you can't always communicate properly with the demons at first, like language barrier. Uh huh. But this is the first one where it's been a cognitive barrier between you yeah, and the demons. Right, right. You actually can't yeah. even tell what the hell it is in front of you. It just looks like a blob of pixelated mess. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Or a foe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that's true. And the more now the more you fight the demon, the more data your helmet collects on on each monster. Uh, first, you'll be able to at least see what their form is, and the more you fight them, soon you'll be able to see in the bottom display what their elemental weaknesses and strength, excuse me, and strengths are. And if you're like me, and you don't walk around taking notes about your RPGs, and you have a terrible memory, and you don't always have that FAQ open in front of you, it's very very handy. <laughs> Because I forgot that oh, the yeah. Bigly Blue or whatever it is is weak to Elemental Lightning. Woohoo, let's have some fun, boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the things I've always liked about the Megaton series, is they, that they tend to allow you to analyze your enemies at any time in the battle. Uh, yeah, and I like here, it's, it, show, it makes good use of the second DS screen, because it shows you right there at the bottom what those demons are, are strong and weak against once you've had, uh, you know, that, that analyzed time with them. Yeah. yeah so it, it can definitely, uh, it can definitely be helpful. Um, so let's see, helmet, 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 suit, 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 but you will get upgrades to your helmet and your suit as you, as you go along and you hit certain major plot points and it'll give you some incentive maybe to go back and visit some of those older areas. Because uh, you'll be able to unlock and do different things. Was there, uh, Cassandra, since you played the whole thing, were there times where you were forced to go back to older dungeons uh, with new technology? I think, yeah, there were at least a few times. It had, like, once or twice, I mean, not yes, a few. But the mercenaries. Yes, with them, you had to go back to earlier ones to find one and, thing or another. And, and the, I think there was a rescue mission back into the second level, and, and then as part of one or two of the final ending paths, you had to backtrack a little bit to get certain items. Yeah, you had to get a bunch of yeah. items that you needed in order to um, get into the last dungeon, beat the last boss and such. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see here. Um, I did do... The dungeons themselves uh, can be pretty complicated. Um, even with the mapping technology and the such, you will constantly be looking at the map a lot of times. Sometimes I'm just using the map for navigation. Does that show? I think that shows up on the second screen, right? That's on the the bottom yeah. screen or the. It's on the bottom screen. Bottom screen. Okay, cool. Um, so I'll, yeah, sometimes I'll be using that. Uh, I hate the rooms that are completely dark, though. Those are evil. Uh, and they don't map. Yeah. <laughs> you do get some upgrades to the demonica that let you see through them, but I think. 
but you don't all you obviously won't always get them the first time you enter those dark rooms so evil <laughs> the wall. Yeah, yeah yeah definitely some old school uh tactics going on there and then later on uh cassandra you could uh you could tell us those teleport uh towers and stuff they're pretty nasty huh uh, the teleporters, well, it can get annoying, especially since there's one, there's one, I think it might be the last dungeon where you have to step on a, to- on a teleporter that will only take you to where you need to go on a certain phase of the moon. That is Ooh. irritating. And you have to step on there exactly on that phase, because if you're not on the phase, you're not going to get there, and you have to travel back to that stupid room with that stupid teleporter. It's just like, gah, why? Is Is there some sort of indication from an npc or something yeah as i recall there was a uh a de- like there was like a, a, an npc demon because you don't because there's some demons that are just sitting around th- talking that you can Chilling. talk to for one thing or another and one of them mentions about how oh this teleporter takes you somewhere different on this phase of the moon but it's still irritating because you have to step on there exactly on the phase and each phase only lasts like a couple of steps hmm oh yeah yeah those phases go fast mm. So, uh, I think we talked enough about the dungeon. So, the uh, the combat, uh, again, very similar to other Shin Megami Tensei games. Uh, elemental weaknesses and strengths are a big part of the game. You also have got gun and, and sh- uh, straightforward physical melee attacks. Uh, what's that? Sword? Yeah, yeah, sword attack, yeah. And, uh, and all sorts of magic bullets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how your character uses magic, more or less, with magic bullets. And yep. and they play a very Which important role here. Improvement over some parts of the series. Mm-hmm. So in this in this iteration, when you hit somebody with an elemental weakness, all of your teammates, uh, all of your demons who are on your 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 party or in your party at that particular moment in time, who are of the same alignment, uh, join together for a super awesome kick-ass attack. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's more impressive looking if each of the demons have, share your same alignment. So for most of the game, you're going to want demons of the same alignment as you. Oddly enough, you don't want this on the last boss because the boss will randomly send back the demons of, of one particular um, alignment. So you're going to actually want one of each so you don't end up having your entire party sent back and you wasting turns calling them back. Oh, That's interesting. Kind of- yeah, because that's kind of your take. You think, all right, I'll, I'll take down the last boss, you know, by overpowering it. But if you do that, you're you might end up having your entire team sent back. Hmm. Like you think you're gonna want mostly yeah. all that new, all neutral, or all law, depending on your own alignment. But no, near the end, you're gonna want some powerful demons of the other ones. Now I've been, I you know, in my game, I do have a mixture of alignments, but that's for no other reason than that just seems to be what I what I tend to pick up and even when I try to focus on on merging demons together to to be lawful which is my which is the alignment I keep falling into um the uh, there's just not that many combinations that directly result in lawful characters so I end up with some neutrals and the occasional uh, chaos or two in there so that's well, interesting to know that will help against the boss <laughs> that's the kind of funny thing in this game and I think in a lot of other mega 10 games you almost only, even though you might find chaos aligned demons in the wild, it, I think it's near impossible to recruit them unless you're chaos yourself, or maybe not. It might depend on the game, too. You're mostly going to be able to recruit it depends on the game. A, a lot of the games also have a light dark dichotomy, and so the yeah. dark demons don't like to talk to anybody. Yeah, they don't. And then unless, you ha- unless you meet a specific requirement depending on the game. Yeah, and the light ones so don't. A lot of the show, chaos no demons wild. love dark. 
Yeah, the light then the light ones do not show up in the wild at all. Those you can only get through fusion. You might be able to talk to NPC ones, but you can't find wild quote unquote light demons. Yeah, there was that one quest where you had to bring the angel dude some uh, chaos critter or something like that, and I didn't. I I missed the NPC that told you earlier on that you can actually input a code into your demoniker and get that demon automatically uh, for a cost, of course. Um, but, but so I'm sitting here, kept running into those demon dogs. I'm like, come on, join my team. Come on, boy. Come on. Nah, doggy demon dog just keep biting my hand. Bad demon dog. I'm thinking maybe I have to hit on the full moon or something, but they're random. And oh my gosh, couldn't get, couldn't get my demon dog. It's even worse. Yeah, full moon is usually worse because they are... Demons are completely crazy during the full moon and won't join with you. <laughs> On the new moon, they're more subdued and usually easier to recruit. Yeah, so you can you can you can sometimes uh, combine to get some of the chaos people, but in the case of the dog, the only way to get them, and this is one of the things that's uh, interesting about this game, if you uh, with with codes, you can uh, automatically recruit demons into your party for a healthy cost in currency. Very healthy. Uh, very healthy. Yeah, yeah. Tell you to budget for these things, um, and I believe your fr- you can actually get the code for any of your demons that are on your party. Give it to your friend, and he can hire that demon into his party. Yep. So yeah. that is pretty interesting. Not that I'm rushing up to try that myself, but if you get stuck and you've been grinding and you got all this extra money, but you just can't get the demons you need to take down a boss, you could probably go online, find some codes of some demons with those elements you need. And pay the price and get those demons in your party. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. <laughs> What's that? That's how I managed to beat Asura. <laughs> I was so annoyed with it because I couldn't get a demon with a good ice spell in order to beat it. And one that was fairly resistant to fire. So, I just looked online and got a code for a really good Black Frost. There you go. Black Frost for the win. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, the battles are again pretty fast. Can be pretty hard. Uh, but uh, sometimes when you're going through the dungeons, you will, uh, you know, eventually get over leveled or you, you know, running over some of the stuff that's in your way. So the game has very nicely put a little auto battle uh, thing in there that makes the battle go really fast, and everyone just attacks with physical attacks automatically for the most part. And it's over in like three seconds. So that's yeah, it. But this is all. Also, a good way to get yourself killed later in the game. You, you have to pay attention, period, because yeah. this this holds true for almost every game in the series. Because most of them have automatic battles, and most of them, if you're not careful, you will die if yeah. you abuse it. Yeah, well, that's the only use it if you're like revisiting an area, or if you're ridiculously overleveled, and you probably don't want to use it in the final yeah. dungeon unless you're near max or something. Yeah, the idea is you mm. you want to hopefully be so experienced in that dungeon you've already got before using that option that you've already got a full readout on their strengths and weaknesses, and if they're all strong towards physical attacks, you probably don't want to use auto battle. You know, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, even with demons that I did know what they did, sometimes I, I you know, just had to be careful um, because <clears throat> they, they, they do, they, they can hurt you pretty quickly. Uh, let's see here. One of the things uh, about this for a dungeon crawler so far, I've, uh, I've enjoyed the fact that it does have some decent save points spread throughout. I'm not playing for eight hours between save points <laughs> Triossi, um, or anything like that, so... Got a good number of those healing spots too, which is very, very nice bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mm-hmm. game, the game is rather forgiving in that particular um, aspect. Would you guys say that as a, you know, dungeon crawlers definitely have a reputation for being hardcore, nail biting, uh, drug inducing experiences? Or 
drug encouraging, drug use encouraging experiences. What what would you say about the difficulty level of of, of strange journey? Um, pretty yeah, challenging throughout it. It tends to ramp up a bit towards the end, but it's never really impossible. <laughs> yeah, what it's a it? Mega Ten game. <laughs> What'd you say, Cassandra? No, just saying I haven't actually played any other or many other or any other dungeon crawlers other than this, so I can't really um, compare. But it, but you know, but at least by having more like save points and such, and having an auto map, it's at least a lot more forgiving. But it will ramp up in difficulty towards the end. Again, it's Mega Me Tensei. That's part of the course. How much? How much uh, grinding did you feel was was necessary for oh, you know the, for the for the typical boss uh, or the uh, end boss? Uh, the a typical boss. It, uh, the later ones, I usually have to end up going a couple a couple of levels upwards. For the last boss, I wanted to get a particular demon, and uh, in order to get like her like, certain things maxed out on her, I wanted to get her D sources. Oh, wait, we didn't get into D sources, did we? Well, we haven't gotten uh, into the uh, demons, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say the D source. That's when you that's when you max out a demon's affection level or something like that. And you, you just level them. You just item. level them up. Yeah, you max out their an- analysis, and then they give you like uh, a, a part, some of their power in the form of a like a gem-like item. You can use this when fusing demons to give them specific skills, and that's how you can you know like customize your demons, which is a very nice because it's like if you want to get if you want to make your demon more towards healing or have a particular um, ability on it, you can use these D sources and try to get them on there. Although you kind of have to re- sort of like restart the uh, fu- the, the pre-fusion process. To get the exact, um, cl- like, um, there, there's exact trial and error involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I believe it's from level. Just l- when you level, if you have one in your party, and you level them up. Not not just one level. Um, it's something that can take multiple levels, especially for higher level demons. But you know, battle them with them enough, then they give you the D source. It took me. I can't remember how many hours it took, but at the end of it, my human character is eighty level eighty three. My other, the demon I wanted to do it for, Amaterasu, is level 80. My Huang Long is level 81, and my Fenrir is level 75. So that gives you an idea what kind of levels you need for the end boss. Hmm. Papa's got some work to do. Uh, so, um... Uh, so yeah, so you definitely do. A, well, we did. We, we talked about that. You can do. You can do dual. You can combine two demons. You can also combine three demons. And what's different about combining three demons than the two demon process? Those are called special fusions, actually, and those are very specific demons. Because if you go into the fusion, you also find a list of special fusions which you unlock over the game. If you have, if you get these particular demons, you can make a really powerful special demon. Uh, like the demon I mentioned before, Huang Long. It's the uh, it, maybe you're all familiar with the four like the four beast gods or the four heavenly kings whatever they're called Biako, Suzaku, Seiryu, and Genbu from tons and tons of Japanese media out there. Huang uh, Long is the rare it's the fifth is the fifth yellow dragon of the center that's more for the from the original Chinese mythology and rarely mentioned in the Japanese. But to get Huang Long, you have to fuse Genbu. Uh, they call it Feng. They actually call it by the Chinese names in uh, in um. Strange Journey and a lot of other Megami Tensei games, but you get the four beast gods. You have to fuse them in a special fusion, and then you get Huang, then you get um, Huang Long. Hmm. And other that like, need three or more, and for that one you need four. And I think there's some that might need even five or something. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember at least one that needed six. Wow. But I can't remember. But yeah, 
I mean, the same kind of thing appeared in some of the later Persona games as well. I felt very proud because some way, somehow, I unlocked the formula for, uh, what was it, uh, Super Fairy or whatever. It wasn't the regular fairy, it was like... It's a high pixie. That's one of the first... High pixie, yeah. ...you can unlock, actually, one of the earliest. And it required, you know, certain demons, and I actually remembered... For, I didn't even have to fack it. I remember seeing, you know, this demon over here and this one demon at the first level. So I went in for the first level, got that one back, went and, you know, went and farmed a couple of things, got them, and I managed to put my own super, you know, high fairy doohickey together. I was like, yay! And I used her for a while, and then she got merged into something else. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, um, I don't know if we can say a whole lot more um, about Strange Journey. I think we all had a pretty, pretty good time on it. I mean, and, and the real, one of the really cool things, this is all in the palm of your hand. This is all on your, you know, your DS. And uh, I, hi- I, I, we, we, I don't know if it was Cassandra, if, if you were on that show where I talked about Strange Journey on the 3DS. I don't think I was on that one. Oh, it might have been one of the other ladies, but the um, so you, everyone knows you can play you can play DS games on the 3DS. Most of them, anyways. The challenge I had with playing Strange Journey on my 3DS is that because the aspect ratio or the size of the pixels or whatever it is is not exactly the same as a DS, there was some stretching involved, which caused the letters and stuff to look kind of fuzzy. So I'm a bit of a, a you know a, a graphic file yes thank you and I like my letters to look sharp and crisp and that wasn't happening on my DS in fact it was a little bit more than it was actually distracting to me it was really it was noticeable not uh, in talking this over on an earlier backtrack with Becky or Sam uh, we kind of went back Sam. Yeah, yeah, we kind of went back and forth because she didn't really see the issue on hers, and I don't know if maybe there's different SKUs of 3DS models that handle that resolution switch better. Now you can force your 3DS. We we or found maybe out in your eyes. What's that? Yeah, I currently maybe have different eyes. Maybe different. Yeah, some sure. You some people don't see it as sharply as others. So what's funny is you can force your 3DS, I forget exactly how to do it, but you can look it online. You can force the 3, 3DS to run the uh, DS game in its normal pixel resolution. But because the DS is a sharper and smaller resolution, it means that your screen is really small with black borders all around it. So for those... It's automatically somehow. I don't know. I never did that. I never asked it to do that, but it does that automatically. Yeah, it's like really small. I mean, it's like, it's li- I mean, it really looks like it's just barely more than an inch, inch and a half by an inch or something. I mean, it's got big black borders. Um, so for those of you who are graphical purists, such as myself, if you're one of those people who can tell it between iPad 2 and the iPad, new iPad with the retina display, you definitely want to play this on the original DS Lite or something. Whew. Cause yeah, it, 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 it sits in my DS. It is a DS only game. You don't know. I will, I don't notice it on, I don't notice that problem with, let's say, you know, new Super Mario Brothers or something like that. It's just Shimigami Tensei because there are, there's a lot of tech. You're staring at character statistics all the time. But as I was saying before, it's really cool having this really, really deep, deep game in the palm of your hand. It's just, it's really awesome. I mean, it's a full-blown Shimigami Tensei. I mean, you guys agree with me that you really don't feel like you're you're getting a watered-down or shrunk-down experience? No, absolutely not. I uh, really, no, I really enjoy it. In fact, it kind of feels better in a portable because I can, you know, getting through a dungeon, I can kind of do it slowly as I'm taking it around with me instead of 
only doing it when I have enough time to fit in front of the TV. One of the strongest, uh, one of the strongest strengths, <laughs> one of the whatever strongest strengths of uh, of these portable games, in my opinion, is the fact that you can instantly suspend them. And I tell you what, I, I agree with uh, with our editor in chief, uh, Mr. Cunningham, that I would give my right arm for a system that has, uh, you know, a console that has the suspend option. We are in the 21st century. Somebody needs to make this happen because it's the absolute best feature of things like the iPad and the DS and the PSP. Yeah. So, actually, that's one reason why I'm looking forward to the um, Soul Hackers remake on 3DS. Because going through it on PlayStation, it takes a while, <laughs> and I'm looking for I'm looking forward to the ability to just pick it up, carry it with me, and then shut the 3DS when I, I can't play it. <sighs> our very our very own Glenn mm-hmm. Wilson. Oh, did you say something, Cassandra? I just said I'm really hoping we get that one, Soul Hackers, which ah. is probably a pretty good shot, but you'll never know. Our very own... Yeah, but this is Atlas, and I mean, how many of the mainline series games have they not put out in America True. in the last five years? Yeah, I don't think any, Including actually. several remade titles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we got, we got Persona 1, we got Persona... Are we going to get um, the second half of Persona 2? Eternal Punishment? I'm actually not certain if that's been set in stone yet. Hmm. They've been kind of hawking uh, Persona 4 for the Vita then recently. So our very own... Well, really good odds. Really good odds. Yeah, pretty good odds, I'm sure. Our very own uh, Glenn uh, Circle Wilson gave Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey a 3.5 out of 5, which is a good rating. Uh, some of the positives, he enjoyed the excellent party creation system, uh, the grouping story that's easy to follow, the solid, consistent, and well-executed setting, great balance, and the difficulty stays fair. He says it's a negative, the pacing, uh, and I imagine he means the pacing of the story, is ruined in the second half. Um, and a plus or minus, depending on how you look at it, includes profanity and blasphemy. Ooh. So <laughs> again, this is a this is a Mega Ten game. Yeah. Well, my mother told me not to talk about religion in public settings, so well, we'll skip that. Um, <laughs> I I personally don't have a problem. It's a game I, for the, the crying out loud, Megami people. Tensei game. I mean, the first Shin Megami Tensei game included a crucifixion in the first part of the game. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. A fun way to die. Yeah, I, I would... I, oh, no, you rescued her before anything happens. Um, <laughs> well, um, uh, that, that, that's, But the funny thing is, that's not even the most controversial part of the first part of that game. Oh, jeez. So, uh, you can grab Shimigami Tensei used uh, for about 20 bucks. So there doesn't seem to be very many copies available. Uh, you know, at that price point. Oh, I see a few more, maybe. You got some new um, copies here for about 35 huh? What's that? Somebody uh, say something? Forge System? Forge System? Shimigami Tensei Shimigami, Tensei Strange Shimigami, Journey? The original. Yeah. Oh, Strange Journey. Okay, never mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so 15, 15, I'm seeing some copies in the 15 to 25 range used, and about 33 on up for uh, for new. So they they really haven't. That's the thing about Shimigami Tensei games. They they don't uh, they don't always fall in uh, price. Uh, they they tend to hold their value uh, pretty well. Games in general. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, you, you should see the prices for the Game Boy Advance uh, editions of Shimigami Tensei One, Two, and 
I tried to buy those on eBay once, just like for this price, forget it. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a chance to I had the chance to buy Shin Megami Tensei If for Game Boy Advance at a reduced price back in I think 2006, and I passed up on it. Where I don't know why I should have really gotten it because right now it's costing about between four, four and five times the original retail price. Ouch. Um, yeah. My my general rule of thumb is love Atlas and Death. Gotta buy their games when they come out because <laughs> I'm always afraid of that happening. There have been a couple of times where I've gone back and tried to buy one of their games and it's been a higher price. Um, usually, if you wait on, you know. Yeah, most people who know me know that I don't like to buy games brand new at full price. Usually with most games you can wait just three to six months and they'll be down to you know, twenty five or fifty percent yeah. off. Um, but with Atlas and these types of games, nah. Might as well go ahead and get them. <laughs> Not to mention yeah, if you get them new, you get a bonus half the time. I mean, forget just dropping in price. Sorry. Uh, forget yeah, okay, just not yeah. dropping in price. You may not even find them in, yeah. like, in four to six months. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that's not usually an issue where I am, but it, it's usually a case of the price going sky high for the really good ones. What was that one game? I don't think it was Atlas, but there was a DS. Uh, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That DS RPG that they're doing a second printing on because the prices were just through the roof. And there's uh, Radiant Historia. You're Thank you. Historia. Is that Atlas? Yes, that was Atlas published then. Yeah, it was. There you go. Another Atlas. Uh, crazy. I got that game when it came out, and um, I just, you know, like every Atlas game, I buy it, even though I don't intend to, to play it right away. I will get around to it one day. Maybe one after I beat Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey. And, uh, but uh, it was like five months later or something like that. I was looking it up for a friend. I was like, yeah, the reviewers at RP Gamer love this game. It's a great little DS game. My wife played it for a while. She liked it. Let's look up the holy Oh, ninety-eight dollars? Are you serious? Good lord, that's expensive. You know, so. mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's. But it was like a month or two after that, or something like that, that they announced the second printing, which which is a, a rare occurrence. You don't normally see that happen too often. But that was good. I think that was well, that actually does the reduced printings anyway, right? Yeah, because that's that's the problem. That's why the prices hold so well is because they they Atlas does do uh, limited printings, which is which is wise on their their part. I mean, uh, this is one of my favorite genres, but it is a a limited genre as far as, far as audiences go. It's it's a niche. So uh, you know what? If I was a publisher, I would be publishing limited quantities as well, because you're always much better just you know selling off a whole bunch and and not, not overprinting if you can help it. So. Um, unless you're making the next uh, Call of Duty game, and you know you're going to sell eight million anyways, uh, you probably have enough overrun to pay for an extra million or two if you printed that many. So, mm-hmm. no, no, um, definitely Atlas Games, Boys and Girls, and a lot of times when you get them, if you pre-order them and stuff like that, uh, usually you're going to get a musical soundtrack. I got a couple of Atlas dolls around here somewhere, and uh, and there's a couple of other there's a couple of other uh, uh, publishers, uh, developers that I tend to buy from right away for that for that re- for those reasons, uh, high price points and little goodies they throw in when you buy them right away anyway. So I like goodies. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have yeah. talked strange. I think we've taken a long journey with Strange Journey. We're gonna take mm-hmm. a brief respite, and we will be right back to let Mister Baker extol the virtues of Shimigami Tensei 1 and 2.
have returned and we're gonna get taken to school foreign school foreign across the sea school with our good friend mr michael baker who's going to talk to us about what is it shin megami tensei or is it just megami tensei or what are we talking about today shin megami tensei, tensei. Um, megami tensei and shin megami tensei, shin megami tensei are two different um sets of the series the Megami Tensei games were for were originally for Master System and Nintendo Entertainment System, and they're based directly off of the novels from the uh, se- late seventies. It's it, it's and the Shin Megami the second one not so much. <laughs> well, yeah, but the second one is still de- um, derived from the first one. It's still yeah, connected that's... to the first one, so we can say that it's derived from the novels. And, and we're talking the, about the Game Boy Advance game. No, we're talking about the word. Well, Megami Tensei is the. Master System and NES game, but the one we're talking about right now is for Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Mm. Shin Megami Tensei. That's what it's just a um, literally true goddess reincarnation, an RPG from Atlas, originally released on October 30th, 1992, and later on several other platforms. Does that sound about right? Oh, originally released on the Super Famicom yep. and later ported to the PC Engine Super CD-ROM. Wow, and Mega CD. So this game is and so... And PlayStation and Game Boy Advance. Advance. Yep. And so this game is so freaking awesome, boys and girls. When it came out on the PC, it didn't come out on just any CD-ROM. It came out on the Super CD-ROM. And uh, not just any CD, but the Mega CD. Oh, yeah. That's, That's the power. version of Genesis? Probably. Um, the Mega... Yeah. And this game was so well-received that five, Mitsu gave it a 36 out of 40. So, awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. So tell me how awesome this game is, because that's about the extent of my knowledge from well, the first let, paragraph let's of Wiki. Let's started with the with the definite reasons why, definite obvious reasons why this game would never have been allowed to come over to America under Nintendo of America's guidelines. For- <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Here we go. So, so we're, we're not we're not even we're not even talking about the demon summoning aspect of it. We're just talking about the first few hours where the main character's mom gets eaten by a demon. Oh yum. Um, where you breaking and entering, where you fuse your dog with a demon to create Cerberus, where oh. one, where the game's main heroine gets crucified, where and where the city of Tokyo is being held in sort of a military tension between the prime minister, who's actually the avatar of a Japanese deity, and the American ambassador, who's actually the incarnation of the god Thor, and they both guys or both gods have the declared martial law in the city with the Japanese self-defense force holding some parts and the American military out of Yokosuka holding other parts. And the first major part of the game involves you getting hired by one or other of these groups to assassinate the other. Sweet. And so you have to, you have to either kill Goto or Thor or both. It's, it's the first major chaos or order choice in the game. And then, regardless of whichever one you do, Ambassador Thurman, a.k.a. Thor, calls down Operation Thor's Hammer, which reduces the city to a nuclear wasteland. Nice. And this is within the first three to five hours of the game. Woohoo! Awesome. Um, After that, you get to explore a kind of a world between worlds as your body regenerates from being blasted into oblivion. And then when you finally make it back into reality, you're de- you have to face this wasteland that's like straight out of the movie Akira, or the um, the manga series 
platform of Acura is definitely an influence here. And there's all these different factions currently running. There's a an order-based group called Messiah that's actually a kind of a running group in, across the entire series. And then a chaos group called Gaia. And just it, it just... If you thought maintaining a balance between order and or law and chaos was difficult in some of the later games, in this one it's just really fluid, where you, you can find yourself accidentally skewing towards one end or the other without even trying. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's just a really hard act to balance out sometimes. Hmm. So, um... Sweet. Yeah. So, how's the how did you how did you like the gameplay? What what are some of the the things that we might have seen in this game for the first time in like RPG history? Can you well, summon demons to your I side mean, or? Yes, I mean that's that's the standard for the series. That that goes back to the first one, even. Well, like, um, is this not the first one, or is this after Megami so, Tensei or Meg- something? Well, the Megami Tensei games were the first ones. I mean, NES and Master System. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this was more of a refinement. There was more variety. There was, was there were some more options. But at the same time, it, compared to a lot of the later games in the series, it's still kind of primitive. Like uh-huh. the demons don't level up. Ah. Oh. So um, the only way to, I mean, the only way to improve is to improve the main character. I mean, the human characters level up, uh-huh. and the main character's level is what is the sole determining factor for how strong your demon. Which is something we forgot to mention in the previous uh, when we were talking about the uh, two other games that uh, that your level, your main character's level, is basically uh, the cap. You can't fuse demons if the if the demon fusion would result in a higher level demon than the main character, uh, then you're not unable to do that. There's a way to get around that, depending on the game. Some games will get um. In a new game plus, will have secret. Usually in the new game plus, but sometimes otherwise. So. It, it depends on the game, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was gonna say, like so, again, like Soul Hackers, there is a way to fix it so that you would have a demon fusion malfunction every single time we tried, and you had a good chance of getting a demon up to five to five levels higher than you if you did that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, none of that's available in Shimigami Tensei One and Two, as far as I know. Mm. And so, but yeah, it's it's the usual level of craziness. And Shimigami Tensei one, and even crazier for the fact that this is probably the first time ever that a game gave that much moral flexibility to the player in a Japanese RPG. So it was just really bizarre at times. And then the the canon ending of the game is neutral ending where the, the player uh, determines or helps create. Recreate the world so that order and chaos can both coexist. Huh. Um, and that carries over into Shin Megami Tensei 2, which is set like 50 years later, still in an apocalyptic wasteland, but, but um, there's a new Tokyo city forming. And at the center of the city is a um, kind of a paradise organized by the Messiah group. And so. Everybody in the outskirts of the city is competing to get access to the center where there are no demons and where everybody's living great, except um, – and your main character is recruited to potentially become the next great messiah, the next great savior who will lead the chosen people to a new place uh-huh. at, the, at the expense and probable death of everybody else. 
<laughs> which is not made which is not really made apparent at the beginning that becomes much more obvious as the game goes on is that there's really no concern for anybody except the chosen few you know, for the new millennial kingdom and well, um, well you know for you that would be my take i mean you know what world's coming to end we better just focus on the chosen few forget the rest of you guys oh yeah but it's it's like the saying about eugenics where eugenics is the idea that we can make good choices to improve the human race and choose the right people at the right time to have the right babies and the the issue being that anybody who thinks that they are properly suited to making these kinds of choices is probably not the kind of person you want making these kinds of choices <laughs> yep and that's very much the kind of situation that you get with they do where the people in charge of deciding who is chosen who are the best people these are not the kind of people you want choosing huh. well that sounds uh pretty pretty interesting idea uh how far did you get in the game there mr baker um about halfway through both ah and and, and um remember I, i'm not even playing the translations on these i was playing these on the super fast Amicom. Uh-huh. And I had technical issues with my really old Super Pac Amicom on several occasions. And this goes for Shin Megami Tensei If as well, where I made it almost three-fourths of the way through the game before my save file corrupted. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Yeah. And I, I never got around to getting the PlayStation copies, and like I mentioned, the Game Boy Advance copies are prohibitively expensive. But you're a Shin Megami Tensei fan, so no price is too big for you, right? If it's a choice between between buying a game and paying my rent, <laughs> sorry. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a hard one to argue. So and some of these games are pricey enough that that might actually become an issue. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> At least they were last time I checked. Hmm. Okay. Let's take a look here. Besides, there's also this, besides there's also the fact that I mean, the Super Famicom game. As I said, they're a lot more in some ways. The combat's a bit more primitive or a bit. A little bit more raw than the later games, so they you have to go in with the right mindset and decide not that you're not going to just freak out and destroy your TV if it gets too tough for a while. Um, Hulk Hulk smash, <laughs> pretty much. And then she might got me ten say if if is just a completely different spin off on everything. So, well, that's so, the pre- is- that's sort of the precursor to the Persona. Uh, sub-series franchise. Actually, yes, there there are some parts of it that are obviously obviously carried over in Persona. Uh, My, um, yeah, Mike, I'm going to just speak up. I'm kind of losing you there, Chief. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, if is if is technically connected to Shimigami Tensei 1, slightly, because there's one character at the beginning who mentions seeing the, the main characters from that game running around, and he was inspired by the cool technology that they were carrying to create his own personal demon computer. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, the comp, because at the beginning of Shin Megami Tensei, this character named Steve, I think it was, sent out blueprints for the demon, convers- the demon communication computer over, the inter- over a version of the internet um, to try and get the word out because literally the grand battle of Armageddon between law and, order, law and chaos was about to break out over Tokyo, and he wanted to arm the public. Mm-hmm. So, but um, otherwise, Shimagami Tensei If has nothing to do with the other two games. Um, in that game, 
it starts out with, um, well, you know how, um, like, in any high school setting, there's always one kid who's singled out for bullying for no apparent reason mm-hmm. sometimes? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and in Japan, sometimes the situation can get really out of hand with um, physical violence. Right. So in this case, the in, in this case the bullied teenager decided to uh, make a deal with the devil, and um, he, he didn't sell his soul to the devil. He sold his high school to the devil. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. So, um, so he, yeah, everybody's at school when all of a sudden the lights flicker and the entire school is dropped into the middle of hell. Literally. Into Makai, right? The uh, demon world. It, it's. And I mean, it's the specific section of Makai corresponding to hell. Mm. Yeah. And it just, um, the, this one, the student who did this proclaims himself to be the, a prince of hell. And if anybody wants to escape, they're going to have to play by the rules, which includes working with demons. And anybody who tries to, or who either doesn't do anything or breaks the rules, either ends up dead, zombified, or enslaved. Those are some healthy career options. Yeah, Yeah. so for the first few levels of the game, a lot of the enemies include zombie teachers, zombie dogs, zombie schoolboys, and and zombie schoolgirls in the sailor outfits. (laughs) Actually, not the sailor outfits. I think they went for the Catholic schoolgirl look on this one. Okay. Those are some of the hardest enemies in that part of the game. Because I think they're the first ones to really abuse the charm now. Mm. Okay, Mama but, might not let me play that one. Yep. So, um, so the school is connected to a hub world, and from the hub you can go to other different realms within the, the area. Mm-hmm. And each of these realms is based on one of the seven deadly sins. Hmm. That sounds familiar. But the exact <laughs> yeah, but the exact levels vary depending on who you choose to be part. Hmm. There are. Four partner characters, one of whom is New Game Plus only. I never got, it. I never got a chance to try him to save game section. But um, if you choose either of the two girls, then I think the fourth level that you go to is the world of envy. But if you choose the boy, then the fourth world becomes the world of wrath instead. Huh. Cool. And challenges, different plot line. And then the, uh, the second girl is... Um, the second girl, if you choose the second girl as your partner, you get a, ch- a chance to beat the true final level and confront the true final boss. And it's, yeah. But otherwise, it plays a lot like the first two games in the series. It plays a bit like Strange Journey, um, somewhere between the two. And the big, the big difference is when the main character or the heroine die, or the partner character dies, it's not game over. So, anybody there? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I think it's the only game in the series where you don't get an immediate game over if your main character dies. Mm-hmm. Cool. In, instead, you can make the choice to continue, and at that point, you, um, you'll have a demon come and rest inside you, basically like a persona. <laughs> this is where the persona... And your, uh, your personal stats will be boosted depending on which demon you have with. And your partner will gain magic. Cool. The thing is, um, the more you fight demons, the more affinity you build up, and so that the next time you die, the next time you die, 
you'll get a better demon if you have a high affinity built up. Mm-hmm. So the game, and there are times where the game actually encourages or rewards you for getting completely. Hmm. Nice. Counter to every other game series. What's that, Gert? What'd you say there? And completely counter to every other game in the series. Ah. Yep. Cooly cooly. Yep. But yeah, so there's like there's a world of pride, a world of, world of gluttony, which is where Orcus shows up. Mm-hmm. Pride. Prize. Yeah. You there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. I'm not sure. Uh, We're losing ya! No, no. Come back! Don't go into the light! <laughs> I'd be kind of scared, though. <laughs> uh. yeah, uh, yeah, so there are some internal systems on this game that are really similar to Persona and Execution. And for that matter, Persona 1 had the white, had the Snow Queen's quest bonus area. Mm-hmm. The girl, the girl and, main character shows up as a minor character in the first couple of Persona games, right? Uh, yeah. Like Tamaki something, and but though she was, yeah, I, gave her any name in the in If. But that I could find I, kind of neat. Actually, no, she did have a name in If, uh, but yeah, and also that like the the Snow Queen's quest in Persona was very similar in structure to Shimagami Tensei If, where uh-huh. you had the six dungeons that you had to take on, and it was just a major dungeon crawl. Okay, and so that's the second one. That's if that's the yet that's another. If. Yeah, that's if, if it's technically third one, but it's a side story. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I segued between the first and the second ones pretty pretty quickly. So and a sort of transitional form between the classic Shin Megami Tensei and Persona. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the second uh, Shin Megami Tensei 2, what, what platform was that on? Super Famicom. Hmm. That's Super Nintendo. And so were the two Majin Tenses, which are actually spin-offs of Shin Megami Tensei 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're kind of, those two were kind of like uh, Shin Megami Tensei meet... Fire Emblem. Those were uh, strategy yeah. RPGs. And they were based around the same main city as Shin Megami Tensei 2. Oh. Yep. Yep. So all in all, there were five Mega Ten games for Super Famicom that are all loosely connected. Sometimes very loosely. <laughs> well, doesn't uh, Nocturne pretty much explain that there's a multiverse, so you can sort of say each game or games that somewhat connect each other take place in their own little universe? That's kind of like a fun way of saying, hey, they kind of connect, sort of, kind of. Yeah. I mean, Shimigami Tensei 1 and 2 definitely connect. Yeah, those two definitely connect. Yeah, and the and the first two Persona games definitely connect. I think two Persona games definitely connect. Uh, um, the, uh, the Devil Summoner universe is definitely not in direct connection with Shimagami Tensei. But maybe in connection with Persona first two. So, hard to tell. <laughs> well, again, I guess the multiverse kind of explains that. <laughs> I mean, when you, have, when you have a game series that spans over 30 titles, you kind of need an explanation like that. Hey, yeah, much. It works for DC Comics. <laughs> How many Earths do they have? Like 30 or so? What's that? I think thing works for DC Comics. Okay. <laughs> so. mm Anything else you would like to talk about? Mm, no, I need to get going pretty soon, to be honest. I have to work. All right. 
We'll take a teeny tiny break. We'll be right back with Blast from the Recent Past. Our Blast from the Recent Past section is where we talk about a couple of games that came out this time of the year, two years ago. We're going to start off talking about Puzzle Quest 2, which was released on a kajillion platforms. Uh, I got it when it came out on the Nintendo DS, but uh, I've also got it on the computer, and I'm sure it's on a few dozen other platforms as well. So, lots of Puzzle Quest 2 Time to sign out. See you later. All right. Well, have a good night, sir. Uh, I will. Okay. Thank you for being on. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay, see you later. So, uh, let's see. Puzzle uh, Quest 2 was developed by Infinite Interactive, published by D3. It was released on the DS June twenty second, 2010, later on the PC August 12, 2010, and the Xbox Live Arcade June thirtieth, 2010. This is a single and multiplayer... Lord only knows why you play this multiplayer. A single player and multiplayer puzzle RPG rated E10 because, boy, those, those, those color-encrusted jewels are too demonic for nine year olds uh this was uh distributed on a nintendo ds game cartridge if you bought the ds version like i did um so uh very few people probably haven't heard of or played uh, puzzle quest one um my gosh puzzle quest the first one was all over the place got very excellent reviews i think it was it actually was above 90 percent on meta uh the second one it uh, it kind of fell in its 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 big brother shadow. Um, it 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 didn't quite do as well on Meta and people. I mean, the first Puzzle Quest came out. It was this. Uh, I don't want to say unique, but it really felt very fresh and original. Uh, combination of uh, puzzle based mechanics and RPG elements for the three people in the world who didn't play the first Puzzle Quest. Um, the the thing is is that uh, it it feels like just a typical light RPG until you get into battles and when you get into battles you're basically playing bejeweled uh, as you connect different color gems uh, different color icons together uh, you'll save up spell power or you'll do direct attacks to your enemy by matching up skulls matching up coins gets you money matching up purple icons gives you experience points uh, and the such and turns will go back and forth between you and the enemy that you're fighting. And uh, and this just goes back and forth till one of you wipes out the other one's uh, hit points, and then you'll get more experience and gold just for beating them. Here's some quests. There's some light story along the way that you probably in all likelihood won't care about. It's more generic than a box of Captain Crunch. But it is uh, it w- the gameplay itself was really really fun because you got something as addicting as Bejeweled, but you put it on the uh, the morphine drip called uh, RP leveling. And so now you got bejeweled with the reason. And the way, you know, nowadays the homogenizations of RPGs uh, or in other genres, they add that leveling up mechanic to anything and it instantly makes it better. It's, it's, yeah, it's like butter. You put butter on just about anything, it's better than without the butter. So, you, you, you know, you put bejeweled with a leveling up mechanic and experience points and all that and, and oh boy, it's just awesome. You, you could equip, you could equip uh, some items and, um, 
in a very abstract sort of sense they would give you basically they would essentially give you bonuses uh, as you leveled up you could also increase your stats and stats did things like for example if you connected three red gems uh, you would get three red power but as you worked up your whatever rating it was so strength or whatever uh, three gems might give you in a row might give you four power instead and give you more starting red power and the such so and puzzle quest puzzle quest 2 um on on the first presentation uh, f- at first it definitely came it came across like it could be a different and deeper experience the first puzzle quest the presentation was very very basic i mean especially when you're just walking around it's just an overland map and the characters that are talking are very still and there's just some text bubbles uh you know whatever little graphics are in the game are mostly in the bejeweled section where you just got some color gems put together with uh, with a few minor effects uh with puzzle quest 2 you're looking the first thing you see is an isometric point of view and you're like oh wow this this is oh wow this this, this feels like uh you know ultima or something wow <laughs> isometric and uh and there's more detail in the art where you're actually actually down looking at buildings and talking with with people that are standing next to buildings and it totally changed the the scope instead of feeling like you were all over the whole world you're now focused in you know much closer um, you've got people you can talk to that you can, you know, uh, buy from and upgrade from, and equipping stuff seemed to be l- a little bit less, a little bit less abstract. Not a ton, but a little bit less abstract. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, very, uh, very similar to the first game, you have uh, four character classes you can uh, choose from. Uh, such as barbarians, war mages, uh, sorcerers, or whatever they were called, uh, templars, uh, and the such. Um, and uh, the the gameplay itself, not it, it was very similar. Again, at first I thought it was going to be a lot different, but it, it really it really felt very similar uh, to the uh, the first one. Um, the only problem was that it seemed to go a little bit slower for me. Um, it felt like it felt like the pacing was slower than than the than the first game. Now, in between this one and the first game, I forgot to mention that, but there was Puzzle Quest Galactrix, uh, Galact Galactrix, yeah. And that game was kind of an outer space match gems, but they were hexagons instead of circles, and and, and the, the board was entirely different. And a lot of people didn't like it, and and I felt it was a bit of a, a bit of a misstep. This went back to the original formula and got you know and. and and corrected, I guess the, that misstep. But for me, it felt uh, a lot of a lot of the same way. Now that's a good and a bad thing. If you like that first one so much, you're dying for some more. Then you know, Puzzle Quest Two is is going to give you some more, and it's going to feel a little refreshing. And and some of the changes that it's made, uh, but not so much so that you're going to feel like you're playing Galactrix that was totally you know totally a different direction and and not a good one at that. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you kind of got bored with uh, that first puzzle quest after you know 30 or 40 hours, <laughs> like I sort of did, um, then Puzzle Quest 2 isn't going to feel like a refreshing experience at all. It'll feel refreshing for a couple of hours, and and then not so much. So uh, it's a good game. It's a good game. Don't get me wrong. But the problem is, is that honestly, the you know the first game had already uh, done a lot of this. Now, if you've never played either either one boy that's a tough call whether to go for the first or second one if you haven't played either one you need to try one of them <laughs> you really really do because if you've never played this mixture have you have you played any of them cassandra no i haven't played either <gasps> get out yeah sorry i've been meaning to i just never seem to remember to pick it up it's like two dollars on steam 
Oh my gosh, I'm going to look it up right now. All right, we've we, we got to quote prices here anyways. Um, I, I can't remember if I liked it on steam or on the ds better I, I think i felt i felt very disappointed because i went out and bought puzzle quest 2 brand new on the ds for i want to say it was 40 bucks because i did enjoy the first one and i was hoping for being that it was two i was hoping for somewhat of a of, of a new direction or a new focus and tidying up of those you know those things that you know could have made the game you know just feel refreshing with puzzle quest 2 i, I didn't quite get that um the uh, then later on they came out with it on the PC as I think I mentioned a few months later and it was like half the price. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh man, it wasn't worth it. I just felt disappointed by paying the 40 bucks because not not necessarily because it came out at a lower price, you know, on the PC a few months later. I mean, that was okay. But just because I felt like it could have it could have felt a little you know, a little fresher. The the <clears throat> Uh, when you're one of the things about Puzzle Quest 2 that's different from Puzzle Quest 1 is th- it does feel like it's a little bit more focusing on your, your character just because of the way that isometric point of view works. You're zoomed in a lot closer to your character. In Puzzle Quest 1, there's an icon representing your hero and you're moving them all over the world map. In Puzzle Quest 2, you are going through dungeons and they're very generic, basic dungeons. This isn't Shin Megami Tensei here, uh, but you will see the enemies on the map so you'll know what kind of battles you're getting into before you go into them. You kind of saw them on the world map on Puzzle Quest 1, I suppose. But it feels more like you're a hero dungeon crawling as opposed to a – you know, and, and the perspective in Puzzle Quest 1 feels like you're kind of like a, a leader going out to save the world and the such. Um, but I, yeah, aside from that, there's just not a lot in 2 that stands out in my head that makes me go, wow, this is so much different than 1. Um, anywho, uh, as far as you know, reviews and stuff goes, it came out about – seven points i want to say eight points lower than than puzzle quest one which is in the 80s still a pretty good you know overall score just i think the reason why it it isn't the first one got the 90s isn't necessarily because the one is a better the better version but because uh it was first (laughs) and by the time you got to two it just kind of felt like been there done that even though the perspective had changed a little bit and they tweaked some of the things uh, under the hood it uh yeah they definitely changed some of the the way the numbers worked under the hood but it, it still kind of felt the same uh, at the end of the day. So if you haven't played one, Cassandra, go out and play one. It's $10 on Steam uh, for Puzzle Quest 2. And I don't remember seeing Puzzle Quest 1. Was Puzzle Quest 1 on there? Puzzle Quest. Puzzle Quest. Yes, Puzzle Quest Challenge of the Warlords, which is essentially the first one. It's also uh, $10. So go figure that one out. And uh, Or would you rather play it on your handheld? I'll figure it out. <laughs> There you go. I don't want to play one of them, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, happy times. Oh, Puzzle Quest. Puzzle. Boy, I can't spell today. Yeah, the DS version is going for about the same thing. Ten bucks after shipping. Okay. So, well. Oh, I can't either or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I, I can't remember if the flat one made me use touch controls or not. Puzzle Quest 2 is about ten bucks, sure. Yeah, a lot cheaper than what I paid for it. Anywho, uh, well, if you haven't played one, play one of them. But if 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 you got bored of the first one, don't bother with the second one. Uh, let's see. Speaking of second one, our second game of the night uh, for Blast from the Recent Past is Trinity Universe. You ever play that one? Nope. Nope. I played it a little bit somewhere. I think played it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> And I will find out where my notes are for it, because I seem to have accidentally closed that screen. 
That's not a good thing to do. Here they are. So Trinity Universe was developed by Nippon Iggy Software <clears throat> with uh, with Gus and Idea Factory. It's a lot of companies there, but that's because um, they've all got characters in the game. Published by um, NIS here in, uh, in America. This was released in North America on June 29th, 2010. A single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation 3 system. A mediocre, if that, <laughs> role-playing experience for your PlayStation uh, 3 system here. So, Trinity Universe combines the characters of Tuskeya, Atelier series, I'm trying to remember if there were any others, uh, you know, into a game together. You'll take on the role of either a male or a female protagonist, both of them with, uh, with a different story. I couldn't be compelled to play through one of them, much less both of them, but hey, they are there and, uh, and, and waiting for you to go and play them. Um, so there was a game before this, Cross Edge, and Cross Edge pretty much uh, it was kind of the same idea. You grab these characters from these different uh, you know, series, NIS and the such, uh, together, and, and you put them together in a game. The problem with that game, as I mentioned before, was uh, if you listen to older backtracks, I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but I spoke to, at, about Cross Edge at nauseum uh, because I had to review it, and it hurt. It hurt a lot. <laughs> Trinity Universe isn't quite that painful, but it's nothing that you're going to, uh, you know, write home about or, or anything like that either. You got you, the the biggest strength is you got these cool different characters from the different games, especially if you're fans of those different games. You know, you're gonna get to see you know characters like uh, Flan and Lucius, uh, you know, working together to go and beat crap up and stuff and i love flan she's hilarious so that is you know that's one of the things i kind of like about cross eight i like seeing the old characters again um the disgaea characters especially are my favorite and um and uh, going through dungeons and listening to make comments and the stuff like that 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 part is pretty much there um they the, the characters for the most part they are the characters that you know don't ask me how but they kind of come up with these crazy story plot reasons to bring these characters from a, a different uh, different worlds to, to 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 come together to uh, uh to to do the right thing uh but each of them still retains their you know what makes them true you know flan is still going to want to deliver justice and love to the universe even if she has to smack around a few skulls to do so you know etna is 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 gonna you know all the time be seeking the most perfect dessert uh, and the such. So, you know, if you fell in love with these heroes before, you're going to continue to find reasons to fall in love with them. I don't remember the, the exact plot. I was, it wasn't, it just, again, it's one of those things that just wasn't captivating me at all. But there are these drifting objects um, uh, that, um, uh, I don't even remember why they're drifting out in this space or whatever have you, but they're basically dungeons. And 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 your job is to drive these things from orbit. So every dungeon has some sort of gravity doohickey. You get in there, you destroy that, and uh, it will, you know, get 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 rid of whatever. So um, uh, so you will be spending your time going around these these buildings, which come across as pretty generic uh, ships and the stuff. And um, and in fact, some of them are exactly the same. And that's you know, this is where the game starts really kind of 
falling apart. You see your characters you love, it's great. You're going through the same dungeons with the same monsters over and over again. <sighs> yeah, it just it just it just falls flat in the execution. It's very much like Cross Edge in the fact that they had kind of some good ideas, but the you know the 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 the, the quality and the gameplay itself, the gameplay just falls flat, just absolutely positively falls flat. Uh, it's not quite as bad as Cross Edge. You 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 get to string attacks together uh, using action points. You have so many action points to spend, and and using those action points, uh, you can you can you can uh, combine attacks just like Cross Edge. Um, you'll have a specific combinations that you can put together that'll run into special you know super attacks by pressing the buttons on you know the x button or the uh, square button or whatever each one will represent uh uh you know those types of things and um uh and sometimes it, when you meet certain conditions you can trigger super special combos that release you know ultimate ex attacks so um uh, unfortunately, the game doesn't do a super great job of telling you all of those things and how they work. So, like me, you'll probably be grabbing for an FAQ at some point. Yeah, you know how much I love games, Cassandra, that make me grab an FAQ to figure out how in the hell they work. I believe I'm familiar with that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you'll you'll if you don't use an FAQ, especially, you're going to be spending a lot of time grinding to try to figure out. Uh, you know which of your tiny little attacks that don't do much damage can be f- chained together into combinations that actually do some decent damage. Once you get, once you've done that, you got some of your gear and your level and caught up. The whole thing, you know, kind of clicks a little bit more and, and kind of rises above to the mess that, above the mess that Cross Edge uh, Cross Edge was. Uh, you'll be able to create loot. There's a customization item creation system. I did not get too deep into it. Um, but uh, that that um, uh, if you, you know if you if you fiddle around with that, from what I understand, you can make up some pretty cool items that can make your characters more powerful and, and more capable of taking uh, things on. So for those of you who like creation systems, uh, yeah, you'll want to you want to jump into it. Um, uh, so. Like I said, it, it, there's a lot. There's kind of a lot there underneath the the hood as far as that kind of creation system. But like everything else, FAQ really, really helps to get the most out of this game. FAQ. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, you can probably get through. I mean, to be honest though, I wasn't running into challenges like stuff was killing me. I just felt like battles took too long. Um, I wasn't really getting blown away or anything like that. So I don't think you really necessarily have to get into all that if you don't want to. Um, but it, it, it's, uh, you want, if you want to check it out, like I said, don't worry about the plot, focus more on the characters and you'll have a good time, you know, visiting some of your old characters. If you can just get over the very generic, um, dungeon crawly thingy. And you know what, if some of you have played this a bit further than I did, cause I, I'll be totally enough run honest. I think I got not even a dozen hours in because I just couldn't, it, it was just, it was just, wasn't clicking for me. But if uh, some of you like this game and it was clicking for you, by all means, we're going to tell you in just a few minutes here on our next section how you can write in with your comments or even give us an audio recording of your opinion and tell us that we're wrong. Or tell me that I'm wrong because Cassandra just kind of sat there and agreed with everything. Ha 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 ha. Okay, so that is Trinity Universe. And, uh, oh, let's just do the good old-fashioned look it up real fast. Tell everybody how much Happy Trinity Universe is costing these days. Can't possibly be that much. <gasps> oh, my gosh. That much? $100. Brand new. Uh, used copies, there are two right now listed for about 40 uh, plus shipping. 
on mm -hmm. half.com, which is where I usually go. On eBay, I'm seeing a number of buy it nows used in the 32 plus shipping. I don't know how much the shipping is. I have to look that up. Sometimes they say 32 and then they add like, you know, oh, that's only four bucks. That's not bad. Um, probably the Japanese only version. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're probably looking at 32 to 40 bucks for used copy. So, <gasps> excuse me. Well, one's down to three minutes left and it's up to 20 bucks. I wonder if there's going to be some snipers at the end. I'll have to announce before the end of the show what that one closed at. <laughs> Two minutes, 40 seconds, it's at 20 bucks. So you might get lucky and be able to get under 30 bucks. Uh, I would be very hesitant to sink 30 bucks into this bad boy. I really would. Except for the fact that, you know, maybe later on down the road we'll sell it for 30 bucks again or more. Uh, alrighty. Awesome. We're going to take a tiny break. We're going to wrap this up with the final lap. And we've survived a strange journey and demons and apocalypses and all kinds of other stuff. So we're going to wrap this up with a final lap. First off, your comments, questions, and concerns. You can write your questions directly to jcservant at rpgamer.com and have your questions answered right here on the air where millions of people will listen to it all around the world. What's that you say? You don't like to type? You don't like to write? Well, guess what? You can tell us your story. You can call in with your questions or concerns, or even call in with your very own retro game reviews at our RPG Backtrack hotline. That's at 801-810-5597. Get your pins out, boy and girls. We'll read that again. 801-810-5597. Tell us your story at RP Gamer your favorite times with some of your old RPGs. Uh, let's see. So for comments on our boards, our last show was about romancing the saga, uh, Sega. Sega. Say it. Sega. Sega Saga. I don't know. Uh, and I did buy Romancing Sega. It is sitting here on my desk. If, if you listen to the last show, uh, I, I was so impressed with what our panelists had to say about this game. I was just surprised that there was a PlayStation, a good R, a PlayStation RB2. Uh, let's try this again. That there was a good... PS2 RPG that I had not heard of and collected, and I have it in my hot little hands, and it really wasn't that expensive. So, can't wait till I get some free time to try this bad boy out. Do you have Romancing Saga? Do you have a PlayStation 2? Nope. nope, I don't. Oh, okay, well that's a good reason not to have it. <laughs> um, that's okay, because there's lots of good games on the DS, which apparently you do have. <laughs> So, not too many uh, comments, and I think that was because this was kind of going up during E3, and it probably got lost. But um, you know, uh, you, if you if you uh, if y'all check out, uh, if you missed 
that last show, because normally it gets posted on a front page, but with all the E3 coverage, I don't even think it was on the front page very long. Uh, so you can just click on the RPG Backtrack link that's on the left side of the RPGamer.com webpage, and uh, and there's a archive of all of our awesome shows, all 73 of them, and this is number 74, and and you can just listen to it. And then there's a discuss link right there where it takes you right to the forums where you can where you can post. Um, so. It uh, it seems like average Joe says, "Wow, this is so weird." I'm literally just playing Romance and Sega for PS2 for the first time right now. Can't wait to listen to this. And then later on, he writes, "Oh, and Wheels is sad as it is to admit, I actually love Romancing the Stone classic vintage Michael Douglas." Oh, I can't comment on that. I just not, I don't watch a whole lot of movies. Hmm. That looks like one of those romantic movies. Do you watch romantic movies, Cassandra? Uh, not very often. I've never seen this one. Yeah, I think I'll pass up Romancing the Stone there. Special edition. He's got a screenshot on here. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Our next show is going to be, oh, wow, July 10th. So I am out of town. The normal time, we would normally uh, we would normally do a recording two weeks from now. But unfortunately, I have to vamoose and be out of the town. So um, – we are going to be doing the next show almost a month from now. July 10th, 2012 is the recording time. It usually takes us a little bit of time to get it posted. But it's going to be a very, very special 75th backtrack. A Link to the Future. We're going to be talking about Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Oracle of the Ages, and Oracle of Seasons. Four totally, totally, absolutely, positively awesome games. I understand you're going to be there for that, Cassandra. That I will. I am looking forward to it. And if and if we're still awake, we have Persona 3 Portable, Dragon Quest Nine, Death Spank, and Arc Rise Fantasia to talk about for Blast from the Recent Past. Um, all of them are pretty good games, so some might argue about a couple of them, but I, I actually have played each of those games and liked each one of them. Um, so a really positive, exciting RPG backtrack number seventy-five. Um, really looking forward to it. Uh, you definitely want to be there for it. We're gonna we're gonna take out all the stops and just go crazy. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see here, Cassandra. You yeah. know what time it is? Uh, I can guess. It's pimpage time. Oh, dang it! There's an official title for this segment, and I can never remember it. Uh, toot your own horn, or. Or what's going on with you, or what games you're playing, or... Dang it, I'm going to write down the official name for the segment sometime. Mini segment, segment within a segment. Anyways, what are you doing lately, either on the website, or what are you playing, or what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I guess on the website, I've been pretty busy with all the E3 stuff. I mean, it's on there, you can read all the, the various stories, the, uh, the, screen, like the screenshots, and art, and other assets. I've even also been helping putting up the uh, impressions for... Um, our RP Gamer team that actually went to E3. Other than that, nothing too special. Gaming-wise, I've actually just been trying to catch up with all the Zelda games I hadn't played in preparation for the backtrack. I've been doing anything too special there. Um, I guess since I'm kind of alone here, is it okay if I plug yeah, an anime series? You I- can plug. You know, Mr. Minky's usually on here talking about the 18 movies he watched, so I, I think one anime series is completely acceptable in light of that fact. <laughs> okay, I've actually just rewatched a series recently, but it's pretty darn obscure, so it'd be kind of cool if I could get it out there a little more. Um, it's called Shamanic Princess. It was uh, It's a six-episode OAV series that's you know released directly to video. 
released in 1998, as I recall. It was um, released in North America by a company that is now dead, I believe, um, U.S. Manga Cores. Um, it's basically a shoujo, but it's a very dark shoujo anime. It's about a girl named um, Tiara. She's a, they call her a princess, although I don't know what she's a princess of, <laughs> uh, from a different, another dimension called the Guardian World. She's looking for a special painting called the Throne of Yord that's actually a god within the painting that created the Guardian World and sustains it. Her former lover, um, Kagetsu, stole it and because for reasons she finds out later. But for now, she's just a little bit heartbroken that her boyfriend would do that. And she's trying to get it back. I say it's dark because it's very, it gets very violent. Um, there's a lot of physical fighting here. Just, I mean, there's magic involved, but it's also like summoning creatures. Tiara can turn into a demon to fight people. Um, later on, they run into the throne of Yord, which turns into like this horrific, um, like HP Lovecraft-esque monster. And uh, there's a fair amount of blood involved here and there it's but otherwise it's actually really good because it's got this uh, very interesting story the characters are not the deepest but they're they hold their own but the uh, the plot line is especially interesting with like the origins of the throne of yord and there a certain person that is attached to it that they're trying to figure out why she's in that painting now and uh, the music's pretty deep pretty good as well um the english voice acting is the voice acting itself is pretty good, but the problem with that is the uh, like the writing is a little bit dry. It's pretty straightforward, translated. There's not much flavor to it. But a special note, uh, Kagetsu is voiced by everybody's favorite, Crispin Freeman. So that's something to look forward to. So again, it's really good. Um, if you can find, I, I think it's out of print, but you can still find used copies pretty cheaply on eBay and Amazon. So if you get a chance to, check it out. Sweet. Sounds like fun. Oh, there's also a talking ferret who has a, um, I can't tell if it's Russian or Romanian or it's like, like that stereotypical Eastern European Transylvanian accent. I don't know why he has that accent, but it's hilarious. Hmm. Hmm. Well, sounds pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. So... I've been really, really busy, been playing, uh, you know, most people know me and know that I do uh, uh, a couple of Pathfinder, the pen and paper RPG, that's kind of the offshoot of the D&D 3.5 system, and I've, uh, I continue to put uh, time into that, and we're having a lot of fun. Our Saturday group is up to just hit level 15, which is no small feat, uh, it's taken well over a year of passionate playing to get up to that level. 20th is the maximum level, and very few campaigns actually last past 10, <laughs> in my experience, and from reading lots of forum comments and the such. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, they're actually uh, closing in on the end of this uh, lengthy story and this epic journey. So that that's pretty exciting. My other group is playing a, a uh, an adventure path called Carrying Crown. Adventure paths are the uh, campaigns from Paizo themselves, the, the, the people who develop and publish the uh, Pathfinder gaming system. Uh, they have a talented team of writers and freelancers and they do these they do their own epic uh, epic uh, type of uh, storylines so uh, that you can buy and play through with other players. And that one's uh, this uh, this particular adventure module that they're playing, they have to uh, defend a Frankenstein monster 
you know, think about Frankenstein from the from the story. But uh, the, rather than just killing him right away with the pitchforks, which they do want to do, the villagers are pretty much all about that. But uh, this is a more established city, so they have an established law system. So the tr- the beast gets put on trial. It's up uh, for the for the deaths and murders of a number of uh, people in the in the town and surrounding uh, suburbs or whatever they're called. Uh, townlets or something. Anyway, so as as the the party members um, are pulled aside by one of the judges who believes that uh, these people are really driven more by, you know, fear of something different than uh, than than cold facts, and she gets them to investigate. So the party gets to spend uh, some good time investigating the scenes of the crime, fighting a few things along the way, and then showing up in court, uh, Matlock style, to defend the beast. So uh, they successfully defended him. There's so many things the players have to do to make that happen, and they did a good job. They got lots of experience points, and now they're going into the castle where he was built, Frankenstein's castle. Woohoo! So very interesting, very very different. Uh, I've also been studying the su- uh, reading up on the superhero gaming pen and paper system called Mutants and Masterminds, uh, which is otherwise known as the DC uh, pen and paper gaming system. So just start reading on that. Very different than uh, – it's it's an offshoot of the D20 system, so it has similarities to Pathfinder, but also very, very different. But yeah, it's people are kind of excited. They can make up their own superheroes and role-play them out and get all crazy. And this, boys and girls, was role-playing before we had consoles and computers and all that other fun stuff. But on that side, uh, I've been playing – uh, some strange journey here and there, still working my way. That is, that is one massive game, so uh, it's not something you get through too quickly. Mm, no, <laughs> no. And I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing. I might have mentioned this a while ago, but uh, a long time ago. But I picked up Ybarm again. Ybarm is an old DOS uh, DOS game. You can just type in Ybarm, and it pulls up a, a in Google, and it pulls up a, a YouTube video or and a couple of websites that can give you some information like Moby Games is great for retro gaming information and it's uh, it's uh, it's an action RPG game and in all honesty it's probably uh the first uh action RPG uh that I played uh, and it's on the computer uh so one day I'm going to talk in detail about it but uh I will say that I figured out how to make it work with Tandy sound so back in the old days in the 80s boys and girls let's sit on my knees so I can tell you a story <laughs> the time. Imagine, it's 1986. Everybody had like, you had a Commodore computer, or you had uh, an Apple, uh, and a lot of people had IBMs. Uh, IBM computers tend to have this one sound card that sounded like a little tin can. You know, like that. Tandy computers were were, were kind of cool because they had three sound cards doing that nasty little sound all at the same time, which means they could do chords. So you got a lot closer to real music with that. Uh, when I played Ybarm before in the past, I could only get it to emulate IBM sound. So I was playing Ybarm with the But uh, lately, uh, in watching some YouTube videos, uh, someone showed uh, showed on that video how to how to set the DOS box, which is the emulator you use to play these old DOS games on your Windows computer. How to get that to emulate the the Tandy sound? What command lines you have to use? And I plug that in. Oh my gosh. I've got my old game in the sound that I remember growing up with. Three boards of awesome, eh, 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 you know. Oh, it's great. So, <laughs> if any of you are as old as I am, remember, know what the hell I'm talking about. You know, comment on our boards or call us because uh, this is some nerd talk here, or post on the forums or something. But uh, it'd be cool. Um, 
it'd be cool to do it. But I will probably do a full uh, a segment of the show somewhere, a PC pit stop on this guy, because it is. <sighs> Uh, it is. Uh, this is a 1986 action RPG that just totally blows the socks out of any sort of action RPG that I'm trying to think of an action RPG before or after it. I guess that'd be something like a uh, a dungeon crawler, like um, oh that one that begins with the letter A, where you're playing the little guy and you're fighting the snakes and stuff. Uh, Temple of Temple of As something or rather. <laughs> would probably be an earlier uh, action RPG, and I, boy, I can't remember a later one. Zelda, I guess Zelda would be, uh, except Zelda didn't really have experience points or anything. Wybarm has kind of experience points and inventory management. Well, Zelda has inventory management. Anywho, more on that later. So, been spending a lot of time on that. And, and guys, boys, and girls, really cool thing about retro gaming: it works great on your little netbook that doesn't have a graphics card. <laughs> it doesn't need one. <sighs> Hmm. Uh, and if you're looking, if you want to look that up online, it's Wybarm. It's W-I-B-A-R-M for Michael. So don't misspell it because it won't pull up. And I think that's all I've really had. And I've been playing some more Diablo. And I, I got a note from one of my friends today that uh, Diablo crashed, and people who had hardcore characters who happened to be playing at that time died. Yeah. What's that? Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Whoosh. Let this be a lesson, boys and girls. Don't play hardcore until they've got all the bugs worked out. <sighs> oh well. Um, I think that's going to be it. That's our show, boys and girls. We thank you so much for listening to us. Cassandra, I thank you from the bottom of my little RP Gamer heart for being on the show tonight and sticking it out with me until the bitter end. You're very welcome, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, especially with our good friend mr mike minky where did he go nobody knows <sighs> oh well what you gonna do hmm uh let's see i know what we're gonna do we can do disclaimers yay okay <clears throat> rpg backtrack is a production of rpgamer.com uh your source for rpg news impressions reviews and articles and home to the best gaming community on the net that would be you boys and girls write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com help shape our future shows don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer as always listen to our vast library of our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show rpg cast all at rpgamer.com on behalf of mike who could not be here but he gets all the credit for bringing in our lining up our guest and doing the skit and a lot of the organizational work and getting this posted i uh, uh i thank you i thank him i thank sandra and i thank you the listening audience because you're the reason we do this so do us a favor go rate us on itunes or whatever that's called these days and this is where mike would say something witty and smart and all that other fun stuff but i'm neither of those things so i'm just gonna say good night good night
afraid of no ghosts. Can't do you. 